You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. We broadcast live every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's our flagship network, the Global Star Radio Network. We're also, yeah, I can talk. We're also simulcast on BTR, Blog Talk Radio. And you can watch us live and by archive on our YouTube channel, folks. Just go to HagmanandHagman.com, click on the venue of your choice. There you'll see our official YouTube channel. There you can watch us live and in living color. Don't forget, we've got two different websites. One for the show, and that's HagmanandHagman.com. And then we have a second website for news information analysis show prep. That's HagmanReport.com. Bookmark both, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm. Joe Hagman, my son. Something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Now, we've got a great show for you lined up. We've got a, a favorite of the show, a, a, a man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, John Moore, um, he first fought terrorism back in 1967. He's still fighting it today. You know, he, he's a he's a he's a Vietnam vet. He walked patrol in Vietnam at night alone, searching for terrorist booby traps. Folks, go to thelibertyman.com. That's thelibertyman.com to take a look at his bio. Because he, here's a guy. He, he's a he's a veteran detective as well. Here is a guy that has walked the walk. Doesn't just talk the talk. He has lived through many things. Very important. A uh, good friend of the uh, of the program, a, a man I respect, not for I mean for a number of reasons, including his investigative prowess, and that's John Moore. Before we bring him on, Joe, I kick it to you. Yeah, it's great to be here tonight. We got a great week lined up for you guys. 
Uh, we have John Moore with us now for hour one. Afterwards, we're going to hit news and current events. Tomorrow, Bob Alrich and Gary Stearman of Prophecy Watchers will be joining us. Wednesday, uh, we have open phone lines scheduled. And Thursday, Paul McGuire will be our guest. And we're uh, lining up something potentially for Friday that will be very interesting. Um, just got to get in touch with, with uh, <laughs> the proper people and... We'll be all set to go. Indeed. But tonight, the Liberty Man, John Moore. <clears throat> Folks, you can go to uh, one of his many websites. He has uh, com. That's right, thelibertyman.com. Don't forget the, the in there. Thejohnmoreshow.com, where you can go and listen to his live and archived radio shows, which he does a fantastic job of uh, on the radio. Love listening to his podcast. Um and I would urge everybody to bookmark that site, the John Moore Show, to hear more from John Moore. And, and before, real quick, before just one matter of housekeeping, folks, welcome to our new, newly revamped studio area, broadcasting area. We also have uh, the new camera that, uh, a new, well, new to us camera, um, that, that's in use as well. So the, yeah, which will be up tomorrow. It's okay. up, but it's not in working order. So, yeah, um, and again, you built this. You built this. Thank you for all of your assistance. If you like what we're doing uh, and you've helped us, I just want to say thank you so very much. And I want to say we're always trying to improve. Our second uh, live in-studio guest will be Coach, Coach Dave, Dave Dobmeyer on July 8th. Don't miss that. Yeah. Yeah, If we unless we can sneak somebody in here before that, <laughs> which uh, I don't know. I, I, I was going to. I was going to grab Todd from uh, Global Star. Uh, drop my pen. Here, find your friend. So, anyway. Um, right, well, yeah, let's bring John on. Yeah, let's, uh, Mr. Moore, it's great to have you back on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Doug. Good to be here. Well, before the show started, Joe and I were talking, uh, excuse me, Doug and I were talking briefly about uh, what we were talking about this evening. And... Um, Maybe it's best to start with this matter of bugs because it may it may get people's attention. And, and uh, here's here's my two personal stories. Well, first of all, before we get into my stories, uh, the world as we know it, uh, we may not like bugs or appreciate them, but the world we occupy, the world we live in, cannot function, and in fact will not function without bugs. And that's a, I think a scientifically accurate fact. Um, with that as a baseline. Uh, August, uh, it was actually Labor Day weekend, 2010, gentlemen. I drove the uh, in state of New York west to east on the inter- excuse me, east to west on the Interstate Highway at night at 70 miles an hour. About 10 o'clock at night, I stopped to get fuel, and I noticed the windshield had maybe five or six bugs on it. And I looked up at the bright white lights at the service station. And I could count the bugs. There were so few of them. And that's traveling the interstate highway at night on a warm summer evening, the Labor Day weekend, 2010. Last summer, I was in Sanibel, Florida, uh, central Florida. And once again, I traveled north on interstate at night at 70 miles an hour. Stopped to get fuel 10 or 11 o'clock at night and, and the same thing. I noticed five or six bugs on the windshield, and I could count the bugs at the bright white lights at the service station. So when I got back uh, after that trip, I, I spoke to a woman who was connected to the various lettered agencies, uh, particularly FEMA and some other preparedness groups with the U.S. government. 
And um, I asked her what was going on. She says, John, uh, within 100 miles of the Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, and the Gulf of Mexico, there's almost no bugs left, almost none. That explains, John, why you could drive on the interstate highway at night at 70, 70 miles an hour on a warm summer evening and have almost no bugs on your windshield in New York State and Florida. Uh, when I found that out, the confirmation I got, I found it to be very disturbing. And also, gentlemen, I'm not aware of any mainstream attention to something as important as this. Uh, it's incredibly important compared to all the silliness uh, 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 that mainstream media pays attention to. This is uh, something of huge significance, and uh, nobody's talking about it mainstream media that I'm aware of. Are you, Doug? No, not at all. And like the ecosystem of the ocean, you have, you know, the plankton. Each specific species plays a role in the uh, ecosystem, in the continuation of that ecosystem. And the same goes for here on land. But, but jo- I mean, Joe. here in but, for the last few years, the bees have been disappearing, you know. The bees right, have made the news. Them. Yes. Right. The bees have made the news, and the bees that are left are in the Midwest. So they're, they're breeding new colonies in the Midwest and exporting them to the East Coast, West Coast, and Gulf Coast where they need them. Um, but the bees are the only part of this uh, story that's actually made mainstream media. Well, I, I got to say this, you, you know, you, what you are saying is true. About two weeks ago on a Saturday, very hot, steamy, muggy Saturday night, I had to go to a wedding, and this was in the, um, around Cleveland, Ohio. So it was an hour and a half drive for me, roughly. And I did notice, and in fact, I remarked to my wife, but I blew it off right away. I said, you know what? Um no no bugs hit the windshield right. when they should right. have right right but but I, well, I, 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 you know what John no <laughs> I didn't give it a second thought well it's one of those things that that uh, I mean what can I say uh, I did give it thought and, I, and it, it very dramatically alarmed me and I had three traveling companions uh, a lady and three and two gentlemen and uh, they listened to me patiently, but I don't know what they thought about it one way or the other. But I found it then, six years ago, very disturbing, and last summer very disturbing, uh, that this is what's happened. Florida especially, you know where the alligators are? Um, people used to spray PAM, the uh, anti-stick uh, frying pan uh, spray, on the front of their cars yep. so they cleaned the bugs off. That's how bad it used to be in Florida. Well, it's not anymore. Okay. Let's do a segue here. Okay, go Let's ahead. Let's do a segue. Let's do a segue. This, this may or may not play a role in it. Uh, there's a free download on my website, website, gentlemen. It's a uh, 20, 21 page paper, paid for with your tax dollars, Department of Defense. Uh, it has a very catchy title An Abrupt Climate Change Scenario and Its Implications for United States National Security. The two authors interviewed uh, economists, oceanographers, agricultural experts political experts, uh, military people, before they wrote their findings. And the paper was based on two possible future scenarios. It was published in 2003, by the way, 13 years ago. The first possible future scenario that had not yet happened was the Gulf Stream slowing down dramatically. The second possible future scenario was the Gulf Stream stopping entirely. Now, there's also a, on my website two interviews with a Ph.D. scientist Myself, 
Dr. Deagle and, and our friend Ann Morrison, another scientist, we interviewed Dr. Zangari on Genesis Communications in July of 2010. Now, Dr. Zangari is a PhD scientist living and working in Italy with other PhD scientists in Europe and, and North America, working on one thing and one thing only, that's the Gulf Stream. Now, the Gulf Stream was given this name by Benjamin Franklin, the scientists call it the North Atlantic Thermal Hailing Conveyor. And Dr. Zangari revealed something on that show I was not aware of, and that's the fact that, that the Gulf Stream used to, past tense, regulate the jet stream. Now, Doug and Joe, five miles above your head, and, and all our listeners, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, five miles up, is 100 to 200 mile an hour wind called the jet stream. The jet stream is largely responsible for the weather we get. There's three jet streams, northern hemisphere, equatorial, and southern hemisphere. So the jet stream being regulated by the Gulf Stream was critical for men and women involved in agriculture to have dependable weather patterns that they could build a life on, build a business model on, because of the dependability of temperatures and precipitation. And that reliability, that dependability is gone, gentlemen. It's absolutely gone. The uh, people involved in agriculture know this. Uh, in my presentations I do around the country, uh, whenever I have grain farmers especially in the audience, they nod their heads in agreement because they know that the dependability of weather is simply out the, out the window. They have nothing left to depend on. They still own their business if they have especially their... Uh, land paid for, equipment paid for, have enough cash to buy seed, fertilizer, herbicides, pesticides, because if they don't uh, and have to borrow money, uh, they're putting themselves at great risk. Uh, uh, so the, the farmers that are cash-independent uh, are a lot better off. The ones that aren't are simply going under because of these dramatic wild swings in the weather which we're seeing uh, on a daily basis, it seems like. Are, are you, uh, John, and, and forgive, forgive me, I, and I mean these questions without any, um, well, are, are you in, are, are you saying that, that global warming, are you on Al Gore's global warming thing? Do you believe that that's true, or is this something um, different? Well, uh, <clears throat> Al Gore's documentary won, won the, the uh, Academy Award for Best Documentary that particular year. There is science in there and there's science fiction in there. The science is what will happen in the future, which is violently rising ocean levels and violent climate change. The science fiction is that it's using the wrong light bulbs, SUV emissions, and cow flatulence. Uh, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> only the Brits would hook up a plastic bag with a tube stuck up the rear end of a cow to measure their flatulence, <laughs> but they did do that. Um, <laughs> that, that was Joe's job, by the way. Sorry, but uh, right. they did. But uh, no, it's a distraction. It's a cover story, and uh, those of us in the investigative business, we know about cover stories. It, the uh, Al Gore uh, human-caused climate change is a cover story. Basically, ninety-nine point five percent of the people either believe, about half of them believe Al Gore's cover story of human activity. The other other half, other half believe that uh, it's a natural, slow-moving phenomenon we can't do anything about. Less than one-half of one percent of the adults in this country, including many Navy veterans, by the way, because I've located and debriefed so many of them, know the real deal, the real story. 
know the two skills I've developed, Doug, and I'm, I know you have these skills as well, are locating witnesses and taking statements. I've developed those skills to a pretty high level. Yep. And um, in the case of the Navy veterans, uh, I'm very blessed. Uh, since I teach concealed carry training here in the Ozarks, I've been able to locate and debrief about two dozen Navy veterans, the majority of them submarine veterans, who moved to the Arkansas-Missouri Ozarks because of classified briefings they attended while in the U.S. Navy Submarine Corps. And they were told, gentlemen, during your lifetimes, these oceans will come out of their basins, flooding all coastal areas worldwide, and you just might want to, when you retire, move to the Arkansas-Missouri Ozarks as one of the known safe havens, which thousands and thousands of these men have done. Now, Doug and Joe, you probably heard of the Prophecy Club with Stan Johnson out of Topeka, Kansas? Yes. Okay. Well, he sent me on two nationwide tours in one year. He'd never done that before or since with another speaker. One of them had to do with this topic. So I'm in Detroit, and it's a three-hour presentation, two 15-minute breaks. And one of the breaks, a gentleman walks up, shakes my hand, he says, John, I'm in the insurance industry. We've wondered for years. Why in the world is there such a cluster of retired Navy people in the zip codes of the Arkansas-Missouri Ozarks? He said, now we know. One of these veterans, gentlemen, has agreed to go public because he was injured twice on Navy submarines, broke his back on one injury, and was exposed to ionizing radiation, almost killed him on another submarine. And so he has a 100% disability that cannot be taken away from him. These other Navy veterans are not about to risk their pension by revealing classified information. That's simply not going to happen. I did, however, have three veterans uh, privately help me recreate the map that was shown in these briefings, beginning in 1979, by the way, uh, and it's on my DVD for sale at my website, uh, thelibertyman.com. The map shows North America with new coastlines. Yeah, North America with new coastlines. Um, so Tim Spencer went public, and he's on that DVD also giving his testimony. And it's kind of funny. He and his wife, Lori, were at one of my pistol classes, and we're having lunch together uh, not far from where I'm sitting. And his, his, he and his wife are both from Central Florida. Uh, they're both Native Americans, by the way. In fact, Tim Spencer didn't know until he was in the Navy. You, you couldn't make all the whiskey you wanted to. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're sitting there having lunch, and... And his wife, Lori, says, she says, John, I don't like cold weather. I don't like snow. I don't even like Missouri. But I'm here because of that darn map. And she tapped on the table, that darn map. And that's a map, of course, on my DVD. Um, The government has been uh, aware of these things for many, many decades. Beginning in 19, around 1979 is when they confirmed uh, where the 10th planet is, its orbit, its uh, mass, its velocity, and, and uh, that's when they began the classified briefings. I traced these briefings back to um, a Saturday morning briefing in New Orleans for flag rank officers. Uh, one of my listeners, we call him Phil from Montana, he was setting up the room, the tables, chairs, lights, and sound system. He saw the map, but he was not allowed in the briefing room. So he went from 1979 until 2009 when he saw my DVD, not knowing what that map meant. He calls me up after seeing the DVD, and he says, John, I saw your map, and he told me the whole story about the Navy admirals showing up for a Saturday morning briefing. He says, John, admirals don't do Saturday morning briefings. They went, they went into the room. They were all laughing, slapping each other on the back, smoking cigars, telling jokes. 
uh, inquiring about each other's families and wives. He said when they came out of the briefing room, which was guarded, by the way, by an officer, not an NCO, which typically a classified briefing would be have the room guarded by an NCO, uh, they all looked like their puppy dogs had died. They'd gotten just one of the very first briefings about what would be coming in the future. So uh, mainstream media has briefly mentioned the Gulf Stream slowing down. They have not quite are not quite ready to admit that it stopped in June 2010 because too many people would understand what that meant. Too many people would figure it out. And what they're not concerned about, gentlemen, is panic. What they're concerned about is the, the independent business owners in this country figuring it out, waking up Monday morning and saying to their spouse, Honey, I think we'll just uh, lock up the business and call it a day and move to the Ozarks. Uh, that's what they're fearful of, because that would cause a, a collapse of the economy. Sir Al Gore has done a very effective job in distraction and creating the cover story. Ma- mainstream media has played their role in blaming the bizarre weather on La Nina or El Nino, which are temporary events that, that correct themselves. And, the most, and for, the, for the most part... Uh, most of the population is in the dark as to what's coming and why. And they were, most of them, 95, 96% will remain so until it's too late to do anything. Man, that, that is a mouthful. And certainly that, that that's something that we, uh, well. Well, it's easy to prove. And there's scientific evidence for uh, the Gulf Stream stopped. At my website, the U.S. Navy, by the way, which is not exactly a conspiracy theory, United States Navy publishes a brand new map every 24 hours showing ocean surface temperatures worldwide. And you can, there's a link on my website to click on that. If you do, there'll be a warning, uh, government warning, 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 don't go here, your computer. Your computer's going to explode. Just ignore yeah. that. That's a typical government warning. Um, so you can go to the map for any given date, such as today, June 27th, 2016. We also have a screen capture made before June of 2010, showing the Gulf Stream going all the way across the North Atlantic to the British Isles where it split, some going north towards uh, Scandinavia, the rest going south towards the French coast. And, of course, the daily updates that are put on there now show the Gulf Stream going east by northeast from about Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. It goes out several hundred miles to the North Atlantic, and it does a loop-to-loop and peters out and stops, and that's the end of it. Uh, That's, as I say, uh, as I told you privately, uh, Doug, the second most important story in 2,000 years because of the dramatic adverse impact on the Northern Hemisphere. Now, let's translate that into the daily news. The Syrian refugees. You hear about Syrian refugees pretty much every day, and we should. All you hear is they're escaping war. What you don't hear is that part of the world, not just Syria but surrounding areas, are having the worst drought in 900 years. So their agricultural part of their economy has absolutely collapsed, and almost any country, Iceland might be an exception, almost any country, when the when the uh, agricultural part of the economy collapses, so does everything else. So that's, an, that's a massive reason why these people are leaving Syria is because of the 900-year drought that's taking place as we speak in Syria right now. 
So this was planned very deliberately and diabolically, but it, not for humanitarian reasons. Uh, I have no evidence of that of the of the uh, drought being man-made. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I mean the the I shouldn't say planned. Uh, well, in terms of the the refugees, quote refugees, or or the resettlement of these people, it's being well, done. Well, they're taking not advantage for... of it. There's other agendas here. Okay. There's multiple layers of agendas. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was about 300 years ago that the Muslim army was defeated by the Christian army at Vienna on September the 11th. Right. You know, they never did they... get over it. They never did. Gates of Vienna. Yep. I, yep. Yeah. You're, you're right. Absolutely. But uh, okay. letting these letting these Muslims into Europe is is they're destroying their countries. They're destroying themselves, and it's a travesty. And it's a it's treason is what's hap- taking place in both uh, Europe and the United States. Allowing these un- and even the FBI is saying we can't possibly vet these people coming in. You know, as you and Doug, you and Joe know. Here in the States, we have a very organized system of more than 3,000 counties, more than 3,000 courthouses, and we can check up on pretty much anybody by using those courthouse records. That system does not exist in the Middle East. Whatever records they did have have pretty much been destroyed in the ongoing, never-ending wars over there. There's no way to tell who these people are, and the FBI has admitted it publicly. Hmm. Yeah, and... uh John Moore is right. In fact, folks, our guest tonight, this hour, John Moore, his website, thelibertyman.com. And I would urge everyone to go to thelibertyman.com and download on the right-hand side there. You'll see abrupt climate change scenario and its implications for U.S. national security. Download that PDF. 22 pages, published in 03. This is what John Moore is talking about right now. And, and, folks, by the way, John is uh, the real deal. In fact, I I just saw somebody say, boy, he is the real Magnum P.I. And and he is. I mean, look at his bio. I'm not going to spend much time here except to say that he's a speaker. He's an investigative trainer since he's been that since 1986. He's flown over 57 or 57 combat missions and he's a decorated Vietnam veteran. He's been a homicide detective in the state of Missouri for eight years and well, since 1973. And this is a guy that I can certainly relate to and talk with. Well, we relate to each other because we've both been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You know, you, when you're when you're writing in your book, Doug, about surveillance, it's, 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 a whole flood of, of thoughts came back to me about things I've done over the years and, and hadn't thought about in such a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The the discomfort associated with the cramped quarters, long hours, bad coffee, and uh, other. I, I always had good coffee. No, I always had good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I brought my own. I didn't get that quick shop stuff. I always had a good thermos of good coffee. Uh, uh, no, seriously, uh, it's. Uh, People come into the invest unless they're a former police officer. They come in as rookies uh, with totally different expectations as to what the uh, career actually involves, and it's work. I mean, it's there's no two ways about it. It is work, and you earn every penny. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it is, it, this is really interesting because we're getting reports now since you're on, hey, I live in uh, Southern California, no bugs, man, what's going on? You're right. Uh, hey, I've noticed a lack of mosquitoes, uh, this being in, in, in this one from Western New York. So what you're saying well, is interesting. It, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, but it, it's, this is not a flippant statement. It's not a flippant statement to say the following. The world that we occupy, the world that supports us and keeps us alive, cannot and will not function without bugs. Right. I mean, that's a true statement, not a flippant statement. And, uh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, we know about the bees. Uh, the, the bees have raised some, some alarms for a number of years, and they should because they're, they're so critical to uh, the pollination of, of, the, of the fruit that we eat. But the rest of these bugs are just as important for multiple other reasons. And, um, there's no mainstream attention to it at all. I'm, I'm sure there's been discussions at the very highest levels about what's going on because the scientists who they work for the government, they know how important this is. As I frequently say, Doug, uh, I'm no scientist. You know, When it came to science in high school, I was on the football field. I wasn't paying attention to the science class. Uh, but uh, and I'm a homicide detective. I'm no scientist. But I do know that bugs are not optional. They simply are not optional. They're they're a critical, non-optional part of the world we live in, and the world we live in cannot and will not function in the normal sense without bugs. Right, and and essentially we're seeing this: the the, the bugs are dying off because I mean the bugs are dying off, right? I mean that's well, they're gone, and, and they're uh, gone. I I can't. I mean. I can't tell you the reason why, and that's where the wild speculation begins, as it did with the bees. Oh, it's cell phone towers. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Well, regardless of why, they're gone. Okay. And uh, uh, it's a fairly recent phenomenon. Uh, I first became aware of it, like I said, six years ago. Uh, the herbicides and pesticides have been around for many, many decades. So I, and I don't know what to attribute it to, and, and I'm not sure that it matters. Um, right. If that locomotive is coming at you at 80 miles an hour, does it matter if it's green or blue? I mean, really, oh, you know, right. it, it's, <laughs> it no, doesn't matter. It all, you know, it, it's the the fa- it's a fact. It's a provable scientific fact that the bugs are gone. It's a provable scientific fact that the Gulf Stream stopped June 12, 2010. Now, in July of 2010, the month following, two interesting things happened in the next six months in Moscow. Moscow has weather records, gentlemen, going back a thousand years. There aren't many places that have that, but Moscow does. The hottest July in a thousand years in 2010, and then the, the coldest winter of 2010-2011 in Moscow also, the coldest winter in a thousand years. We had pipes freezing, and I'm sure they still are, uh, underground in Ireland and Scotland because of the frost line had gotten deeper. Um, and, of course, we all know the bizarre, freakish weather we've had here in North America the past uh, six years. Uh, it, we're at a point now where if a place gets 12 inches of rain in one day, it hardly makes the news. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. become so common. They have, to get a, they have to get a foot and a half or two feet of rain in one day now to make the news. Right. Um, yeah, and we just saw an entire town like that in West Virginia, 24-plus people dead. Due to flash mm-hmm. flooding, the worst in yeah. 500 years. Hmm. Right. 
well, they don't know well, what happened five years, five hundred years ago. That's just a, a guess more than anything. <laughs> but having having five hundred and thousand year floods every two or three years has become the norm, and this will continue. Wrong, man. This will continue. We had a hurricane here. I'm in South Central Missouri. Now, six years ago, we had a hurricane down here over land, and even the local radio station was calling it a hurricane. Um, that, according to traditional meteorology, that can happen. But I have a good follow-up story on that. Um, a friend of mine, Ann Morrison, she's on with me every Friday. She's a scientist and an engineer. She was uh, in a class for Skywarn just a few weeks after Hurricane Katrina. Now, Skywarn is a nationwide program. They take civilians and train them to accurately observe weather and report back to the county sheriff or whatever official they report back to their observations. So they're in, she's in this class in St. Louis County, and there's a young meteorologist, a NOAA uh, meteorologist is, is the instructor. So they're on a breakout in the hallway, and Hurricane Katrina just happened six or eight weeks before, and the young scientist, about it, uh, young enough to be her son, he says the following, just wait until you start seeing these hurricanes forming over land. Well, Ann Morrison attempted to ask a follow-up question. The young scientist quickly understood that if he said any more, his career and his pension would be toast, so he did not. Uh, but under traditional meteorology, gentlemen, hurricanes cannot form over land. But now, in fact, we are seeing that happen. Uh, the impossible it has become the possible. That's what's going on right now, gentlemen. Well, the, where do we see it going from here i mean if it's if it's so bad now i mean is it going to get to the point where you know it, we're just going to be living in a world with devastating natural disasters on a daily weekly monthly basis well that, it's, it, it, it's not too far from being accurate to say we're we're pretty much there already um it, i recall you know 30 40 years ago that uh, serious weather events were not weekly news or even hardly monthly news. Maybe several times a year there would be uh, mainstream news, you know, international news. But they have become pretty much weekly, if not monthly. Uh, very, very serious uh, weather-related events have been happening on a frequency that we never saw 30, 40 years ago. Would you agree with that, Doug? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, no argument at all. I mean, yeah. Read when you read the. Re I refer to that paper in an abrupt climate change scenario. It's the scariest twenty-one, twenty-two pages of nonfiction you'll ever read. Now, when I when I first time I read it, the Gulf Stream had not yet stopped. It, it didn't stop for another six years. Reading it after it stopped, um, it, it, it changed my whole perspective. <laughs> <laughs> knowing that now that possible future scenario had, in fact, become reality. And in the paper, they say that after the Gulf Stream stopped, here's what will happen. Mass migrations of millions of people. That's happening right now. Uh, bizarre weather-related events. Uh, flooding of coastal areas. Um, all the things that they talk about, well, they talk about war and famine, and uh, economic uh, disaster as well. All those things are either in the process of happening or, or I'm, sh I'm pretty sure will happen in a not-too-distant future, given the circumstances that we're seeing. The millions of refugees, the economic displacement, um, and so forth. So reading that, reading that 
show Monday through Friday myself, gentlemen, uh, 8 to 10 Central Time, a.m., and uh, we have guests that talk about these matters and related matters, and of course, uh, preparedness is one of my mantras also. Uh, one of the things I, I witnessed firsthand during the Tet Offensive was uh, thousands of people having their homes destroyed overnight, uh, living in parks, uh, any public area they could, with no shelter, uh, no restroom facilities, um, and so forth. And um, it's, it's, it's seeing human tragedy firsthand, at least in my case, changed me forever. And I'll do anything I can to mitigate and, and help people not have to end up in that situation. Uh, so I, I spend a lot of time encouraging people to become prepared, uh, have their food, have their water, have their safe haven, um, and hopefully be part of a hobby farm. A hobby farm is a place where the produce grown is meant for consumption on the premises as opposed to the sale uh, to make a livelihood. A hobby farm is a great place to raise a family and a great place to have a safe haven. And I encourage people to at least consider becoming part of one somehow, some way. Inland, however. At a good altitude, away from population center. Preferably west of the Mississippi River. All you folks, east Mississippi, your population density pretty much doubles once you're west, east of the Mississippi River. You may think okay. the Appalachian Mountains are remote and unpopulated, but you're not too far away from tens of millions of people. Well, John, what would this do to the Great Lakes as well as the Mississippi River? Um, or all well, the, the, uh, uh, the U.S. Navy scientists say that uh, Lake Michigan will empty out into the um, Mississippi River Valley. The Mississippi River Valley will become an inland sea, 100 to 200 miles wide, 100 to 200 feet deep, essentially splitting the country in two east-west at the Mississippi River. Um, a friend of mine, he was at a briefing at North, U.S. Northcom, United States Northern Command, about five or six years ago, where they talked about how they were going to commence splitting United States Northern Command east-west at the Mississippi River, all the personnel, all the equipment, all supplies, all command and control. And they didn't say why. They just said they would do it. And I'd already briefed my friend about what the Navy was telling their veterans, and he was just sitting there smiling to himself because he knew why they were splitting U.S. NORTHCOM east-west at the Mississippi River. Of course, you can do it now. Things are relatively easy. We've got about 20, 25 bridges across the Mississippi River. You don't have bridges across an inland sea 100 miles wide. Uh, so transportation would become much more difficult under those conditions. Understood. Okay, yeah, obviously. Um, is this something that would happen... I know it would happen quickly, but are, are we talking like an overnight? Because, because you had um, made reference well, to when the When it kicks in, the, in the, there was some speculation, and that's a great question, Doug. Uh, some speculation about the time frame. First of all, people want to know when's it going to happen. I kind of flippantly say 3 p.m. tomorrow. But um, once these events kick in, it's going to be about 30 days for uh, what's commonly referred to as a pole shift where uh, you know the two North Poles, uh, Doug and Joe? Yep, yep. They're, okay. They're, Magnetic North yep. and True North. Yep. And what happened, and this, there's undisputable scientific evidence that uh, Magnetic North moves in a certain direction for many, many centuries, about 36 actually. 
And then True North catches up with it basically in about three days when that pole shift happens. Typical pole shift is about 12 to 15 degrees. Now, that may not sound like much, but when you got something 24,000 miles in diameter, it's a lot, uh, 12 to 15 degrees. And there's a bulge of water at the equator, not quite 500 feet above Cornwall, England, where they measure sea level. That bulge of water held in place by gravity and the rotation of the Earth. Uh, and that's, we're talking tens of thousands of cubic miles of water. Once that's displaced, that's where all the flooding's going to come from on all coastal areas worldwide, some obviously more than others. The Navy estimates about 400 feet uh, for most of North America. Uh, the slush, there'll be two parses. The slush where it temporarily goes up to a higher level, and then when it settles down to the new sea level, uh, so, so there are two parts of it, and people need to be prepared for the slosh, which will kill you just as quickly as anything else. And it's uh, happened before. The slosh, just to be clear, the slosh would be, uh, to, to create a mental picture, like sitting in a bathtub, right, and rocking um, in the water. Well, you're walking across a, a floor with a punch bowl that, that's full of punch to the top, and you stop. The punch doesn't. <laughs> uh, gotcha. All right. Yeah, slush. Um, okay. Technical term. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, what else are you going to call it? A friend of mine, Doug and Joe, he was on a vacation out west. He climbed to the top of one of these mesas, you know, these big, really huge, flat top rocks that stick up hundreds of feet above the desert floor. And he says, he gets back and he says, John, there were seashells all over the top of that darn thing. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, they weren't the fossil seashells, they were the seashells. Um, but the, the map is, is very disturbing because the map shows where 80, 90% of the American people live will be underwater. And uh, right. that's why the Navy veterans, when they retire, are moving to the Arkansas, Missouri Ozarks. Thousands and thousands of Navy veterans who were at these briefings beginning in 1979 including my friend Tim Spencer, who gives his testimony on my DVD. Tim is also my webmaster, and he's on my show with me every Thursday morning. Um, great guy. Uh, he's been suffering from uh, the radiation exposure, which pretty much killed his pancreas, and the broken back, which began lifelong surgeries. But he's, he is getting better and um, uh, really been a great help for me and his family. Well, amen for that. John, um, on the same subject, sorta, have you heard or been hearing anything about the new Madrid fault line? Um, well, I can tell you not a barefoot hillbilly like me. Uh, we call it New Madrid, not New Madrid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, then you uh, a little background here. Uh, during the winter of eighteen eleven, eighteen twelve, the New Madrid seismic zone released hundreds of earthquakes, not just the three we hear about, the three that rang church bells in Philadelphia, yeah. hundreds of earthquakes. Um, the energy went north and south and east very efficiently and didn't go west very, very efficiently. U.S. Navy says when uh, we have this new inland sea, which is right next and on top of the new matter seismic zone, that the weight of the water will trigger at least three nine-point-plus earthquakes with that energy going east, north, and south. 
north towards St. Louis, Chicago, south towards uh, Memphis and New Orleans, and east towards the, the east coast, causing massive damage to infrastructure. Keeping in mind also that these 20 or so inch diameter steel pipes that feed natural gas and oil from Texas to the northeast go right on top of the new Madrid seismic zone when they cross the Mississippi River. Um, so those will all be broken and disrupted, and you don't just replace those 20-inch diameter pipes under a river overnight. Uh, that's a massive engineering undertaking there to, to replace those oil pipelines, oil and natural gas. So uh, there's been a lot of activity and a lot of uh, actually mainstream media attention just the last three or four weeks about the new Madrid seismic zone and a possible increase of slightly larger earthquakes. There's earthquakes every week on the new Madrid seismic zone. Typically they're in ones and twos, and, and that's just the nature of that of seismic zone. People that live near it uh, are very, very aware, even common citizens. I was in a restaurant not far from New Madrid, Missouri. Uh, they had a full-color map of the New Madrid seismic zone on the wall of the, of the uh, cafe. Uh, all the elected officials, uh, first responders, police, fire, paramedics, they're all very, very aware of the threat posed by the New Madrid seismic zone to their counties and their communities. And they have a lot of regular drills to prepare for it. Uh, the uh, Missouri National Guard has designated sections of Interstate 55 as landing strips for cargo aircraft. Uh, utilities have, and I was involved with uh, some of this myself personally, utilities have set up uh, alternative emergency communi radio communications, uh, figuring that the telephone system will be completely down. Uh, so there's been a lot of activity, uh, both in the private sector and the public sector, getting ready for the effects of the new Madrid seismic zone, uh, doing what it can, and almost without a doubt will do at some point in the future, gentlemen. Very interesting, folks. We're talking to John Moore, thelibertyman.com, thelibertyman.com. Yeah, go to his website and download the abrupt climate change scenario and its implications for U.S. national security, uh, a very sobering 22-page document published in 2003. We're, we're seeing it, and, and John We're knows, playing out in real life. Yeah, exactly. You know, what, what these two researchers, these authors, did in interviewing all these experts and all their expertise was lay out the blueprint for what's inevitable when weather changes and becomes undependable, unreliable, and you can't count on it anymore, too. Uh, when you grow grains, it's a five-year business cycle. One bad growing season for every four good ones. Everything these farmers do, the land they buy, the equipment they get, the seed, fertilizer, pesticide, herbicide, everything is based on that business model, being able to service that debt and make a profit. And four good harvests for every bad one harvest. That business cycle is broken, gentlemen. It is broken and will never be repaired, not for centuries, if ever. Uh, so mm. uh, it, it puts everything at risk. When agriculture is at risk, everything else is at risk. Uh, right. We may have a lot of modern conveniences and, and uh, cell phones that have all this wonderful computing power, but that doesn't change the reality of agriculture being the foundation of civilization. If your agriculture segment gets broken, everything else is broken. 
And that's where we are, gentlemen. That's my reality. Yeah, we had a uh, FEMA wow. contractor come out and predict social unrest will be caused by a 400% increase in food prices due to agricultural shortages this year. Right. Well, what he's doing is basically reinforcing what's said in that 22-page document. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, exactly. I, I interact with FEMA, and uh, FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Agency. FEMA is State Emergency Management Agency. I meet these people, I interact with them, and privately they'll they'll let me know that they already know about the, the violent climate change, about the rising ocean levels, and their own personal private communication uh, preparations that they're making for their families. Uh, they won't, they can't, and won't talk about it publicly. It would be the end of their career, uh, possibly worse, uh, depending on what kind of non-disclosure agreements they signed. So that's not going to happen. These FEMA and SEMA officials will not talk publicly about any of this. They can't, and they won't. Oh boy! All right, John. The, the, the team official that, that said what he said. Now he had authority to do that based on what, whatever his bosses told him. You know, these these are all uh, organizations that have a chain of command. So he's doing what his chain of command authorized him to do, talking about a four hundred percent possible increase in food prices. Uh, so most people won't hear that, and the ones that do. Uh, won't pay a whole lot of attention. So that's safe. It's a safe right. thing to say because people are more interested in dancing with the stars. They know what's important, you guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know and, what, the, uh, and the batting yeah. average of their favorite uh, baseball player. They, they oh, got yeah. Every priority straight. You know. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and sometimes I, I wonder, John, you know, this is something you and I have not spoken about, but I wonder how many how many people were reaching or or not reaching, but actually uh, making a difference when we talk well, when we have programs it, like this. We 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 reach out to the ones we can, try to have no emotional attachment to the outcome, and we reach out to the remnant. We reach out to those who uh, have not had their pineal gland. Uh, screwed up by sodium fluoride and uh, calcified, and <laughs> and we do what we can, Doug. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, John, are you available for uh, professional consultations and uh, speaking? I am. Uh, there's a link on my website. I'm. Uh, I am available. In fact, there's a way if people want to bring me to their community and speak. Uh, if you click on Uncle Sam there on my homepage, you can learn how to learn, earn a commission if you give my. Uh, uh, director of Marketing, a referral to bring me to your community to speak. Uh, folks, John Moore is one guy I definitely would listen to because of his resume and uh, his, well, he's got his fingers on the pulse of uh, everything that's taking place today. So I gotta I'm going to ask you, you, I'm gonna ask you a, yeah. a question here, Doug and sure. Joe both. Uh, in your opinion, could you go to a major hotel in any major city in the United States Chicago, New York, St. Louis, Miami, uh, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles. Stand in front of that hotel and dress as if you were uh, just walking out from a convention. Hail a taxi cab and be able to purchase cocaine within five minutes. Yeah. Of course you could. Yeah. There's no drug war. That's a fantasy. 
That's a fantasy. Yep. That's a fantasy. That's right. There is no drug war. Never has. Never will be. That's right. Well, yeah, and it's um, wow. That we could do a whole program on that alone. But you're exactly right. Um, where were you headed with that? Just curious. Oh, it's just to give people a heads up. That's all. We got it. You know, there's there's a purpose of the DEA is to prevent competition with the government. That's all that is. You, you know, and, and that's such a good. Um, you made such a good point with that with that question, uh, folks. If, if you think that we're being bamboozled on, uh, well, we are. But 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 I mean, th- think about what John just what John just asked. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, it's BS, man. John, besides your own radio show, do you have any upcoming appearances on other radio shows? Or yeah, you want to promote it? Oh, uh, no, I, I do in an hour. Uh, actually, at eight thirty Central Time, hour and a half. Um, and uh, I'm not sure it's being broadcast live. Uh, I've, I backed off some of the live stuff because I, I was I was losing all my personal time, but uh, I don't have anything scheduled other than that at the moment. Okay, all right. Well, we want to keep you, uh, or we want to keep uh, everyone. Well, Doug, I, I want to get you on my place. show soon uh, to uh, uh, talk <laughs> about your book, and uh, we'll oh. talk privately about that. Okay. Yeah, well, in fact, we will do that. Thank you so much. God bless you, my friend. You you Thank just you. delivered a, a very sobering message during this hour. And Absolutely. Course, uh, you know, uh, people take heed. So I just want to thank you so much for your gift. Thank of you, Doug tonight. and Joe. We'll, we'll talk privately. Appreciate it. Have All a right. good evening. Indeed. All right. Thank, thank you, John. Thank you. Folks, that was John Moore. John Moore, thelibertyman.com. You know him. You know him. I'm sure you do. Uh, what, what a dynamic speaker too! If if you haven't heard him speak in person, it's a it's really it's a lot of fun. He does uh, provide professional consultation and keynote presentations, and, and he gives uh, seminars. He, he's got meet and greets with uh, his radio audience. It's pretty cool. How his model is very interesting indeed. Now, uh, on the other side of this hour, we are going to get into some of the news. You know, Joe, the You know, there's the a lot happened over the oh. weekend and, and into today. Uh. Um, there's so much. We haven't talked really about what we're no. going to get into in the next few hours, but I guarantee folks you're going to want to stay tuned because we're going to cover a number of yeah. hard-hitting issues, and we're going to cover them in depth. Uh, oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. it's just some of the stuff that's happened is ex- explosives, uh, from pastor being told he cannot advertise Jesus uh, you know, the bear exit and the uh, or break propaganda that's coming out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's we are seeing an acceleration of events take place like never before, folks. Stay with us right after the network news. We're gonna be back hitting the news, analyzing what's in front of us. Hang right there. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. If uh, if it sounds like I'm talking with a sock in my mouth, it, 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 you're close. All right, I apologize because I did have some uh, oral surgery done again today. It's a it's a process. It's a several step process. Um, I've got a I've got a issue. Um, that uh, is being handled. That's all I'll just say. So, I've, I've got some stitches that uh, stitches that. Uh, are bothering me so if i sound funny I, yeah, that's why so anyway having said that um it, it should be clear by tomorrow uh, at least talk wise talking wise and then from there um until next time which is uh i think in three weeks but anyway having said that uh there's so much to get into do you feel like you are watching just an explosion of headlines you are. You know, um, we had the opportunity to speak with a number of people who are on the cutting edge or on the cusp of analyzing headlines, not just posting stories or uh, not just not not just talking about politics, say who's going to win the election, but the true significance of really what's taking place. And isn't that what this is all about? Over the last couple of weeks, what have we seen? We've seen the... British leave the EU and the pushback toward that. Yeah, um, and I'd like to say um, I'm still doing the initial research on it, but Jonathan Kahn, his book, The Mystery of the Shemitah, yep. yep. And this talks about a seven year judgment cycle, and it pertained to America with 9 11, and then seven years, seven months after that, the uh, recession where the Dow dropped 777 points. Now, seven years, seven months, and seven uh, days from that point, we had Friday. We saw the exit of Britain from the EU, as well as a drop in the stock market over 600 points. We saw the, inc- the this continue today with a 311-point drop in the stock market, bringing uh, the two-day total drop to almost 1,000 points. From eighteen thousand to seventeen twenty-seven. Yep. Um, yep. Are we seeing the with the, with the exit of Britain from the EU and <laughs> the effect it is having on only not only on the world economy but on the U.S. economy? Are we seeing the Shemitah cycle, as Jonathan Kahn wrote in his book? 
We're well, going to go over that. So many, yeah, so many point. people dismiss the Shemitah, the mystery of the Shemitah. Jonathan Kahn, oh, nothing happened. Well, wait a second. We, we have to take a, a broader view of things. And, um, that's right. That this is something that, that it deserves a segment in and of itself, by itself. Uh, indeed. By the way, uh, th- thanks for asking, uh, uh, Julie. No. Now, I, this had nothing to do with my, with my, teeth at all. This has got something to do with my jaw bone, bone in my mouth, so no. Yeah, I don't put teeth, my teeth in the glass. No, I don't do that. <laughs> we all have anyway, uh, uh, we all medical have issues, issues around yeah. here. i got to have surgery on Wednesday, the 6th of July, one week from Wednesday. Yeah, he's got he's got back surgery. It's going to be a minor procedure. Yep, yep. Uh, in and so, out, though. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Eric is just, he's seeking, Eric. oh, Eric's going to do it. Eric the tech. You can either perform it or that's volunteer the, to have it done with me. That's what the wire cutters are for. And the, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's something. And, and you know, but uh, well, thank you. I, and I just want to come back and, and say this as well. I want to thank everyone. And uh, I'm not. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to thank everyone. Um, I spent this weekend looking through letters and. And reading your postal mail that you sent to us, got a couple of books and um, oh, don't forget, folks, don't forget. I I, I want to mention um, healthmasters.com. Doug five D O U G five five percent off of anything you order. So take advantage of that. Doug five D O U G five. That's a promo code. Healthmasters.com. Um, as um, as uh, Dr. Ted Brower was on last week, but anyway, uh, folks, you're going to be hearing more about this, and I'm just going to go through this very quickly. But I, I, I want everyone to pay attention to this Strong Cities Network. Oh yeah, I got right. a lot on this. Well, let me give you some. Let me give you the basis of this. Now. There, there was something published back in October of 2015 uh, at the com by author Joe Wolverton. He's got a Juris Doctorate, J.D., law degree. And, and he, he wrote that the Strong Cities Network is a program that's ha- that was hatched by the Department of Justice wherein a control of local law enforcement is handed over to a London-based think tank called the Institute for Strategic Design, ISD. Now, in Europe, the ISD has gained a reputation for being committed to the identification and targeting far-right extremists. In their vernacular, that's you and I. If if you if you are pro national, pro constitution, pro Bible, holy Bible, Christian Bible, pro Jesus, pro Christian, pro Israel, pro life, anti homosexual, sodomite activities. That puts you square on the list as a far-right extremist. Now, four, count them, four American cities. This is back in October of 2015, and this has changed somewhat. Think about this. Four American cities. 
New York, Atlanta, Denver, and Minneapolis have become part of this ISD, which is the Institute, again, for Strategic Dialogue. Strong Cities Network. Yeah, and there's a lot to this Strong Cities Network. Uh, there, there is. It's, it's a smart and connected city uh, framework. It's right. the National Science uh, Foundation. You have other agencies of the government, like NIST, uh, as well as the intergovernmental or non-governmental uh, UN. Um, well, uh, yeah, now I'm, I'm going to get into this here in a second because it's important for everyone to realize, that's right, there's a bigger picture here, but just the the thread, the golden thread right now that runs, uh, or at least the, the, the um, ostensible, Strong Cities Network that we're talking about here, the visible Strong Cities Network. This connects to, again, the uh, Department of Justice. Now, you have to have, when you look at what's taking place, you have to have complicit and compliant media and governmental agents here. You've got to have everybody on board for this Strong Cities Network, at least those who are part of it. Well, they have ties. All of these people, as well as the cities, as well as the, 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 the operators and orchestrators, have ties to the United Nations. Consider Attorney General Loretta Lynch's announcement at the UN last year. Now, she stated this about the strong cities. And I quote, Connecting these localities to one another, as the Strong Cities Network is doing, is not only a powerful way to lift up our communities worldwide. It also sends a message about who we are and what we aspire to be as an alliance of nations and a global community. Now think about what just happened with, with Great Britain and the, uh, the Brexit. Alright? Keep that in the back of your mind. But, but folks, it's not just any old alliance that's actually behind the ISD. Not at all. A quick search of the group's website, the, the ISD website, uh, reveals the identity of the Board of Trustees. It's a cadre of internationalists, second to none. Second to none. Uh, among the 14 board members in this particular cabal include Charles Guthrie, Baron Guthrie of Craig Bank. I believe I might have mispronounced that. A member of the House of Lords who currently acts as a non-executive director of global finance. N.M. Rothschild and Sons and represents the firm's interest on none other than the Trilateral Commission. That's one. Well, Guthrie also spoke at the 2011 meeting of the Bilderberg Group. All right. Now he's he's the only, he's not the only director of the ISD with an impressive internationalist resume. Consider, for example, the bona fides of ISD member Gary Samore. Okay, you take this right from their website. From 06 to 09, Samore was vice president for the studies at the Council. Of, on foreign relations, CFR, in New York, where he ha- uh, held Maurice, the Maurice R. Greenberg chair, and directed the David Rockefeller Studies Program. Now, before joining the CFR, 
Samora was the Vice President for Global Security and Sustainability. Huh, there's an interesting word. At the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation in Chicago. Anyone who listens to PBS knows the John T. and, uh, John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Prior to that, he was Director of the Studies and Cedar Fellow for Nonproliferation at the International Institute for Strategic Studies. That's the IISS in London. All right, now, I could go on. Remember, there are four American metropolises, four large cities that have handed over control, basically ceded Mm -hmm. their authority, of their law enforcement policy and practice to the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. And this turn is controlled by who's who of the top tier globalist one world government CFR trilateral Bilderberg Rothschild power brokers. Now, now this is just the beginning because they, in, in their next generation internet application, uh, Mozilla Firefox Foundation is creating living labs in communities uh, of practice that facilitate in the participation of citizens and community organizations uh, working towards the uh, Smart Cities Initiative. The U.S. Ignite is a public-private collaboration spanning over 40 cities and communities across the nation. Right. This is where they're using their cyber-physical system programs to create smart cities for the Internet of Things, establishing um, their foundation uh, of connected communities. Yep. Exactly. So, so you have what you talked about is the cities that signed up. Then there are other cities, and uh, all throughout the U.S., the biggest cities that are implementing different aspects of the smart city network. So you have cities that have wholly turned over to all their their functions. Then you have other cities that have uh, said that they will, you know, implement other factors like uh, driverless cars or. Uh, new computer, uh, cutting edge computer technology, next generation first responder systems, uh, new, uh, trans, advanced transportation. No, but uh, smart cities and strong cities are not necessarily no. interchangeable. No, smart the cities term. is what I meant to say. Smart strong cities. Strong cities. Or, um, smart cities. Alright, but we're talking about, obviously, the, uh, strong cities network. There's an overlap. It is, okay, but the strong cities, is the the legal portion of this network? It all goes to the same head of the Hydra, the same head of the of the, the octopus. You're dealing with smart cities. I'm talking about strong cities, well, but but smart cities does overlap into the strong cities initiative. It's all the same. It, basically, it's the same. But strong cities is a much more laser-like approach to. The, uh, the the larger initiative. Just want to make that clear because people are going to say, wait a minute, is it smart city or strong city? What are you talking about? It all goes to the same, basically, ultimately. But the at the, at the root of everything here is the United Nations, it's the UN, it's the Trilateral Commission, CFR, the Council of Foreign Relations, with Rothschild Connections. And it's important to understand that our government under... Barack Hussein Obama, but also under many of the so-called conservative right-wing Republicans, have acquiesced and have ceded their authority. Remember when they ceded their authority, the Republicans, through the Gang of Eight, or ceded their authority to um, the, um, uh, well, 
it, it, it doesn't matter. Obamacare. I mean, pick anything. We have a one-party system. Alex Jones talks about this all of the time. It's a one-party system. It's a single-party system. You see, it's us versus them. But the bureaucracy, the self-serving bureaucrats inside the U.S. government, they are trying to obliterate, and here's the key, local police forces that are answerable not to the government. But, but, but folks, who is your municipal police force answerable to? to? To the citizens of the community, essentially, at least in theory. Well, Guess what? Now these police forces are answerable to to uh, to a larger, greater, more globalistic federalization of law enforcement that's in the United States and ultimately globally. Now Brexit threatens a lot, but what we're seeing with with the exit of Great Britain from the EU now. And this is where the Psalm 83 war comes in and, and other things come in on the larger geopolitical end of things. But domestically here, how's this going to affect us? You hear people talking about the effects of, of the British exit. Well, many people don't think it's going to affect us. But when you start going, when you, when you start to go back and look at, for example, the Strong Cities Initiative, the Smart Cities, whatever it might be, you're seeing this globalization process take place. Anything that threatens the globalization process is an enemy to the UN. It's an enemy to the Trilateral Commission, the CFR, all the globalists here in this country, as well as all across Europe, all across the world, globalists, of course, hence the name. So we we, we have a problem now. And, and the, the problem... Think back to the early 90s when the wall came down in, in, in the Soviet Union and communism was suddenly defeated, right? What happened to the CIA? What happened internally to all of our government agencies who considered the communist or the Soviet threat? They considered the Soviet threat as the common big threat until the wall came down. Then what? We're looking for a new boogeyman, right? You hear InfoWars talking, sorry about that. You hear uh, InfoWars talking about this. You hear others talking about this. Well, wait a second, and here's the issue. Now, in order to keep the military-industrial complex apparatus moving, what has to happen? We have to recite our weapons, our guns, our surveillance apparatus, our whole initiative to a new enemy. The British exit hastened this process. So, who's the new enemy? It's the enemy it's always been. The right, the socially conservative, religious, Bible-believing, conservatives in the West. It's us. So, when you look at the British exit, you see the globalist plans just falling apart, piece by piece by piece. How many people are talking about what's really going to happen domestically and in a global sense, and the realignment toward a new uh, well, 
towards something different. Because you see, this was a blow to the globalists, a big one. Now, not only do they have to make up for time, but they've got to make up for the lack or the vacuum created by this exit and by this sudden wake-up by by all of those paying attention. Wait a minute. We're part of a globalist system, and we don't want to be. We don't want to merge our cultures. We don't want a North American Union. We don't want a Euro- We don't want to be part of the European Union with the oppressiveness, oppressive nature of what's taking place. We don't want to subjugate our national sovereignty to the European Union, these Britain's state. It's the same here in the United States. We don't want to subjugate our national sovereignty to a North American Union. But that North American Union is important for the globalists. So all of this, but at the end of the day, the Strong Cities Network is going to be, and this is why I brought this up, the Strong Cities Network will be used, in, at least in, in my analysis, and I think everyone should pay attention to this, will be used as a conduit to further advance the globalist objectives of the people, and especially pouring it on subsequent to the British exit in Europe. So in other words, what happened over in Europe within Great Britain has reverberations here in the United States. We're seeing now the globalists here in the West, and specifically the United States, doubling down, saying, okay, got some people waking up, now we're going to double down. Now we're going to kick it really into high gear and see things move. Now the last thing I want to say about this, to tie it all together, and I get emails about this all the time, watch what the Vatican is doing. Alright, now, I'm not saying, this, and, and I disclaimer all the time, this is not an indictment against Catholic, or the Catholics, okay? Not an indictment against Catholics. Watch what the Pope is doing. Look at, look at the Pope right now, taking the position more of a politician than a religious leader. And that's been this, his status quo. Uh, that's right. Since he's been Pope. Exactly. For example, paraphrasing now, Pope Francis says you're not a Christian if you support gun manufacturers. Also liken Jesus and the apostles to ISIS in spreading their ideology. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Christians must apologize to homosexuals for marginalizing them. This is a perverted Also doctrine. said that... A relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ outside of the Roman Catholic Church was dangerous. That's right. So we are seeing multiple, and by the way, and this is my two cents here, from my perspective, no one else's, this certainly would support the Antichrist and the false prophet not being Muslim. Think about that for a minute. Okay? I don't believe necessarily, I don't know this to be true, but if I would have, just based on the evidence, 
what I consider evidence. I'm not talking proof, the two separate things. Evidence, documentation. I don't see how that we could have an Islamic Antichrist. I do see, however, the role of the Vatican, what the, the role the Vatican might play in the in, uh, in, in, in the Antichrist system. Whether he's a false prophet, could he be? I don't know. I don't know. But the preponderance of evidence, the, the propensity for the Pope to go out and act like a unifier of the monotheistic religions certainly pretends the the new world order or the new world religion that would will give way to an antichrist and by the way the while I'm on, on that whole area anyone and and, and I, I will say this right now Joe and I are talking about this I, I don't know when it was this past weekend anyone who believes that they could accept the mark of the beast this is my view my view only anyone who believes that they can accept the mark of the beast and still be saved is deluded that's my view were you talking about this we were talking about this right yeah we we touched on it right because there are people out there saying oh if you're hungry and you take the mark Jesus will understand no hey uh 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 no you cannot take the mark and get into heaven. Those scriptures are very clear on that. Um, there is no room for interpretation. <coughs> well, and of course, you've you, you got to get a worship, saying, right? It says, well, you have to worship the, the beast. Well, wait a second. It says three yeah. things. There you go. The, the worship. He said. Yeah, and I'm pulling up the scripture here um, just so we can have it. Because it is very detailed in its description, and many people... Uh, Use private interpretation, which we do need to hear, you know, everybody's insights as to, uh, exactly what it could be and how it is, um, that it is brought about. But it is very specific in the Bible. It talks about a mark in your right hand or in your forehead. Uh, and I'm pulling it up right here. And, um, in Revelation, in chapter 13, Verse, we'll start thirteen, thirteen. Uh, we'll start thirteen, twelve. Because well, there's two uh, beasts. They're the first beast, okay. uh, right. and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. So there's two beasts: the first beast and the second beast, who right. is exercising all power of the first beast, and he doth great wonders, so that he make a fire come down from heaven and on earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, right. that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, let him that hath the understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. 
Amen. It is his number is six hundred three score and six. So, so what's the bottom line? Well, well what are we trying to get? Is, well, I mean, there is three things that you you talked about. You talked right. about the worship. Well, the, the three things uh, were one, um, getting the uh, mark right, um, worshiping the uh, image. I'm, pulling, I'm looking back up here for it. Okay, and they should make an image in which the beast did, was wounded by the sword and did live, and he had the power to give life under the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all to get the mark and the mark. So you, you have to get the name, or, or you have to worship the image, or get the mark in your right hand or in your forehead, and without doing so, you are excluded from society. You may not buy or sell right. unless you have the mark. And those who don't have the mark, he will cause all to be killed who do not worship the image of the beast. But, but I, I, look, I, the bottom line here is I don't see any distinction. I mean, I, I understand what, what the Scripture says, but I don't. I certainly well, wouldn't don't. trust the... Getting the mark and saying, "Well, I didn't know. I didn't pledge allegiance to anyone." So, you right. Know. Well, think about this. This is one thing that's gone through my mind when I read the scripture. When it says, "You know, minus forget the part," and this is definitely taking out of context about the part of getting the head wound and right, right. and living. But it says that it gives the the beast, the first beast, gives the second beast, or the second beast gives the first beast the power to both speak. And cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So the image, or, or the beast, one speaks, and two has the power to kill. All right. I, I guess I guess the takeaway is we're getting close. I, I mean, I, I don't. Again, that. Right. I, oh yeah, we're getting close. We're right. getting very close. Um, I want to hit a number of. Uh, hang disturbing on, hang on one second. I articles just, that deal with this, not in okay. the sense of the biblical image and mark of the beast, but the times that we live in. All right, I just want to say this one more thing, and then uh, pop it over to you. I'm going to tell you, folks, right now. It, look, there's a Virginia lawmaker right now, a delegate. I'm sorry, not a lawmaker, a Virginia, Virginia delegate. Excuse me, to the Republican National Convention, who filed a class action lawsuit. In uh, this is last week against Trump against uh, well I shouldn't say against Trump uh, uh, challenging a state law that that binds delegates yeah. to support the primary winner at the uh, at the convention. Let yeah. me say something to you. I have a bad feeling about this convention. I have a bad feeling about the machinations behind it, and I have a bad feeling all around with respect to the treatment. Being given to Donald Trump, I don't look. I don't. The issue of whether you like the guy or not, whether you support him or not, I, that's not the issue. I'm saying this, there's a subversion, a subversion of the legal process taking place right now that I believe will have extremely significant and severe consequences, and I'm talking about perhaps an end around the presumptive nominee. And uh, causing uh, riots and destruction and chaos within the system. 
just want to point that out. This is one issue. This lawsuit is one issue of many. The laws could be changed. And if the laws aren't changed, then certainly the the uh, the various things could, could take place within the convention or before the convention, during the convention, to knock Trump out. I, 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 I'm not liking what I see with from a behavioral analysis point of view by some of the Republicans out there who seem pretty sure and are sending some body language singles, uh, signals. Um, Along with open endorsements. Right. Right. So there's something not right here, folks. And that's, so go ahead and, and uh, uh, if you have something more than... More yeah, I wanted ahead. to hit on this. You know, we you, you talked about the Idaho, uh, the rape of the five-year-old girl in Idaho. Yes. Well, uh, two days ago, I, I found this uh, piece, uh, World Net Daily, Explosive New Twist in Idaho Sex Assault Case. Federal Prosecutors, Stern Warning, Threatens Free Speech of Citizens and Media. Now, I don't know if you if you saw this or not, but the Obama-appointed U.S. Attorney for Idaho has taken the highly unusual step of uh, taking this local criminal case involving an alleged sexual assault by juvenile Muslim migrants and threaten the community and media with federal prosecution if they spread false information or inflammatory statements about the perpetrators. WND and other news sources have reported the case involving three juvenile boys, two from Sudan, one from Iraq, who allegedly sexually assaulted a five-year-old special needs girl in the laundry room of an apartment building in Twin Falls, Idaho. The incident occurred on June 2nd but did not come to light until more than two weeks later when the story begins to swirl on social media. Anyway, the uh, following is a news release issued late Friday from the office of the Attorney General, Wendy J. Olson, from Boise. The United States Attorney's Office extends its support to the five-year-old victim of assault and her family at the Fairbrook Apartments in Twin Falls. The United States Attorney Office further encourages community members in Twin Falls and throughout the Idaho throughout Idaho to remain calm and supportive and pay close attention to the facts that have been released by law enforcement and the prosecuting attorney and to avoid spreading false rumors and inaccuracies. Grant Lebs is an experienced prosecutor and Chief Craig Kinsbury is an experienced law enforcement officer. They're moving fairly and thoroughly in this case. Uh, Wendy J. Olson, U.S. Attorney for Idaho. As uh, Mr. Liebs and Chiefs Kingsbury informs the public the subjects in this case are juveniles ages 14, 10, and 7. The criminal justice system, whether at the state or federal level, level requires that juveniles be afforded a specific process with significant restrictions on the information that can be released. Wait a second. Juveniles are not. This was a hate crime. This was a crime of, of the, the failure to assimilate as into our culture. This was a crime that was uh, by a juvenile himself who was high-fived by his father. This was a sex crime against a special needs young girl in Idaho in the, in the heartland or in the middle of the United States. This is Exhibit A for the, the, the Islamic cult that is taking over our country. And, well, also uh, and, continue. And, 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 but, 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 but wait. This is, this is, this is exactly why we can't allow this to continue. This is Islam rearing its ugly head as a cult disguised as a religious system. 
that will never assimilate with any American. With it will never be compliant with with any constitutional laws, and most assuredly cannot uh, be allowed to continue in this in this vein because the differences in culture are too stark, too severe, and the uh, and, and the the fact that this this uh, young boy's father high fived this kid. Basically, gave him a, metaphorically speaking, I don't know if he did or not, uh, physically, but metaphorically speaking, said, hey, well, that's, you know. Well, Olson continued to say the spread of false information or inflammatory or threatening statements about the perpetrators or the crime itself reduces public safety and may violate federal law. We have seen time and time again the spread of falsehoods about refugees divides our communities. I urge all citizens to allow law enforcement and prosecution to do their jobs. Now, it right. goes on to say in the article that the uh, uh, a lawmaker out of Boise said this is threatening free speech. It's of course. The federal government trying to intimidate into silence those citizens who do not have resources or connections. This must uh, mean we have hit a nerve with this administration. Now today, there was the Supreme Court ruled on a new, or ruled on an abortion case in Texas. Texas illegally curbs abortion clinics, Supreme Court rules. Now, in this ruling <coughs> was a um, a report by the Supreme Court Justice who said the Constitution or any study of the Constitution in any amount of time, including the founding documents and Bill of Rights, was a waste of time. Of and that course. the Constitution is no longer valid in this country. It is no longer the law of the land. They say it is... Uh, we spent too long letting the dead dictate the living. Who is this guy? Who 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 is this this judge? I will get the name <coughs> in one second. Um, but there's articles from the uh, Associated Press to right. the Blaze that are uh, talking about this. And the one from the Blaze was the one that that worded it properly. Uh, obviously, the Associated Press is biased in their reporting and is not going to give you the whole story or, in part, the significance of what this judge has said. Uh, veteran federal judge, stunning declaration about the Constitution. Uh, and this is what the judge ruled. And who This judged. is a Seventh Circuit judge, Richard Bosner, there I believe, go. all right? And and this appears on numerous websites and, and media outlets. It's interesting how the... the, the Narrative: The story is controlled through mainstream media. You've got to go to new media to get the information. Seventh Circuit Judge Richard Bosner, in a post published to Slate, U.S. judges should stop studying the Constitution. I see absolutely no value, he writes, um, to a judge of spending decades, years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, or seconds studying the Constitution, the history of its enactment, its amendments, and its implementation. Yeah, it goes on. 18th century yeah, guys, however smart, could not foresee the culture, technology, etc., of the 21st century, he continued, which means that the original Constitution, Bill of Rights, and the post-Civil War amendments do not speak to today. In yeah. short, Let's not let the dead bury the living. Well, a, a typical progressive, t- typical uh, uh, communist, essentially, who who wants to who wants to see this country change. Well, the the objective here is to just get rid of the 
uh, of all of our laws, at least our, our, the, the laws that support our, our Christian heritage and our Judeo-Christian values, or in our Christian values, I should say, and our Judeo-Christian heritage. I got that backwards. But, but, but see, right along with that, in addition to that, You've got DC now outlaw or DC now casting fines to individuals, businesses who use the wrong pronouns for gender confused or mm-hmm. genders, uh, just like New York. Okay. Even you could face time in jail. Right. Right. This is a criminalization of free speech. So what, you know, basically if I had a business in DC and I use the wrong pronoun to describe a transgendered person, seriously? I, uh, yeah, I do face a fine and p- potential jail time. They are criminalizing. Look at the bigger picture here. Free speech is being restricted and we are being made into criminals over this transgender issue, which is tied at the hip to what? The homosexual issue, the Obergefell decision of the Supreme Court. We just want to be equal. No, you don't. You want to change our culture. You want to change everything. And you want to pervert not just our culture, not just our children, not just our way of life. You want to take over the entirety, well, of everything Mm -hmm. and, and, and our children. And shame on you. And shame on the people who let this happen. I don't know how many people saw what Obama did. Obama invites 18.7 million immigrants to avoid oath of allegiance and pledge to defend America. This article is a few days old, uh, but definitely is worth re- the read. It is not only illegal aliens who are escaping enforcement laws from the nation's immigration laws. Under the Obama administration's expansive interpretation of executive authority, legal immigrants seeking citizenship through the national naturalization process are now exempt from a key part of the oath of allegiance. Immigrants seeking to become citizens no longer have to pledge to bear arms on behalf of the United States. They can opt out of that part of the oath, nor do they have to cite any specific religious belief that forbids them to perform military service. According to the Naturalization Fact Sheet on the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service website, in the fiscal year ending June 30th, 2015, the nation welcomed uh, 729,995 legal permanent residents into full citizenship. Over the last decade, 6.6 million have been naturalized through this process that ends with the Oath of Allegiance. Well, that's what's been removed here is the oath of allegiance. This radical change was announced a year ago in July in 2015. Congress did not enact the change in new legislation. There was no congressional debate, no filibusters in the Senate or the House to demand that the bill, that a bill to repeal this action be brought to a vote. This was a radical change implemented while Congress slept, like other Obama actions, to undermine immigration laws under a Republican-controlled Congress. Yep. So, yep. giving Im- immigrants uh, legal status while removing from that status the oath of citizenship, which this nation was built on. People are getting Symbolic. angry. Yeah. Symbolic indeed. People are getting angry. And and I don't know how many people are are fans of of literature, or, or there's a great um, I don't know poem I suppose by Rudyard Kipling 
It's called The Wrath of the Awakened Saxon. You can look this up online. The Wrath of the Awakened Saxon. And I'll just give you a couple of verses here. It was a not part of their blood. It came to them very late with long arrears to make good when the Saxons began to hate. They were not easily moved. They were icy, willing to wait till every count should be proved ere the Saxon began to hate. Their voices were even and low. Their eyes were level and straight. There was neither sign nor show when the Saxon began to hate. It was not preached to the crowd. It was not taught by the state. No man spoke it aloud when the Saxon began to hate. It was not suddenly bred. It was not swiftly. It will not swiftly abate. Through the childhood years ahead, when time shall count from the date that the Saxon began to hate. Think about that. Rudyard Kipling. Think about that. And uh, apply it to today. There's an anger boiling. There's an anger boiling beneath the surface. There's an anger boiling against the people who have hijacked our economy, our way of life, our freedom of speech. There's an anger against the people who have are forcing us into a position of acquiescence to the, the globalist agenda. There's an anger building, and, and you'll see it explode, and it's coming. There's an anger building against those people who are supporting, or against those people who are, who are taking advantage of the people who are supporting the people who are being lazy, not working. There's an anger against various races because of the perception accurate or not in many cases totally inaccurate of of hey, of uh, of criminal activity but the biggest the biggest anger that's building right now i believe is against the lawless nature of the government of the this one party system that we have that's where the anger is going to be is going to, in my view Joe that's where the anger is going to be going to be directed yeah you know I don't know if you saw this but uh, Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin walked four blocks today at the New York City Gay Pride Parade now what a surprise Eric (laughs) 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 man you gotta mic up man ticking the LGBT box on her weekly campaign checklist Hillary Clinton made a surprise appearance at the New York City's Gay Pride Parade on Sunday. With close aide Huma Abedin at her sign, Clinton walked with New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, where, where, where's New York Anthony City Wiener? Mayor where, where's Bill Wiener? de Blasio, and Al Sharpton. Where's Wiener? I don't know. Huma. He was, he was he, in the parade, I'm sure. Bill Clinton was nowhere to be found, although many people wearing Bill Clinton for First Lady shirts were, were present. You know, that's just wrong on so many levels, all right? Well, why not? He was the first black president. Why can't he be the first uh, the first male first lady? <laughs> you know? 
Uh, I mean, it's the same. Uh, uh, that's just mentality. wrong on so many levels. Seriously, I I don't know. Watch, folks. United States banks are crashing. You might not think so. You might say, "Oh, come on, shut up." I've heard this so many times before. But U.S. banks are crashing as we speak. Yeah, zero has reported on this. Yeah, <laughs> well, zero has reported on this uh, today. I believe it was this morning where the um, the uh, Brexit contagion, as they're calling it now, is spreading to the U.S. dollar, the liquidity of the U.S. dollar. Well, what's happening is the there there's obviously in, in the stock market there's people who make money and people who lose money there's risk and counter risk there's anyway what's taking place is uh, uh global the the interconnected global financial system has reached our banks here in the United States with Goldman at three year lows Bank of America uh Citibank plunging over 12% this is subsequent to the Brexit vote but but over a period of time as well it, this just happened 2 days after the federal releases latest um, balance sheets uh, stress test results yeah. none of the 33 banks tested would need additional capital in case of severe financial crisis so they say Did you see what Alan Greenspan said today no he said that he a, he's a, he, a, 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 me at all. a economic crisis is imminent and yep. urges a return to the gold standard, he said today. Well, wow. You think? Yeah. See, and, and this is something too that 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 people misunderstand. And, and folks, this is not. If you understand this, this is not about you. But uh, Steve was telling me the other day about about a uh, individual who uh, who called him up and just railed on him. Says, "Well, you told me that gold and silver they were going to go up." Well, yeah, at some point. I didn't tell you whether it was going to go up tomorrow. Well, why aren't my gold, well, why isn't gold and silver going up? Steve so said, hey, man, you know, <laughs> look, it, it's a preservation of wealth. No, I thought it was going to go up. Ma'am, it's a preservation of wealth. I mean, it, it, you, you, you buy it to preserve your wealth. It is not anything less or more than that. And it's real, it's real currency. It's real money, I should say. Think about it like gasoline. Well, gasoline. You have, say you have you know, five, you know, fifty-gallon uh, tanks of gasoline in your garage, right? And gasoline doubles in price to five dollars a gallon. Or we'll say there is a economic or EMP right. disaster where society, as we know, it shuts down. Gasoline might. The gasoline you bought for two dollars and fifty cents. Mm-hmm. That you have 250 gallons of in your garage is going to increase thousands of percentages overnight with the whole population unavailable to obtain gasoline. Yeah. It's very similar to that. Well, well, exactly. And if I had, if I had the money to invest or if I had money in the bank, if I had a million bucks in the bank or whatever. I wouldn't have it in the bank, number one. And I'd take it in from you first. I'm too. sure you would. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is this. We need to preserve our wealth. Look, it, it is our Christian responsibility and and, and uh, Sig Swanstrom and Steve Quill talked about this. It is our Christian responsibility to act as proper stewards. We we start we start being uh, uh reckless with our money. We're not going to have it for very long, because we're going to, we're going to be stupid with it. Number one and number two, 
we will not be trusted or entrusted with it. So to preserve wealth, and this is something that I just don't understand. It has nothing to do with fear porn. It has nothing to do with selling precious metals have historically and biblically are of extreme importance. Since nineteen, The only time uh, precious metals have not been used as money is from 1913 until right now. Well, practically, yes, yes, yes. But they're still considered money. But but the fact of the matter is this. You need to protect your, your, protect your uh, liquidity. You need to protect what you have worked for. And if you are a good parent, a good father, a good provider, you're going to provide inheritance to your children. You can't do that if you're dead but broke, right? So, biblical. That's biblical. So, so those people who say, well, you know, gold and silver, it's just, uh, it's just the earthly stuff. Well, yeah, you know what? It is. Newsflash, newsflash, you, you live in the earth or on the earth right now. You live in the physical right now. I mean, you operate in the physical right now. So, I just never did quite, um, and people agree with cars to get to work. You know, yeah. Those are earthly things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right, and, and you know if you if you or if you, you were, a bus, and, you know, yeah. or or even take medicine, uh, give you or your spouse medicine, you're relying on that. How dare you? This is why discernment's yeah. so important, and your personal relationship with Jesus and your prayer life to understand the different dynamics and aspects of of you know being in the world, not of the world, and. Well, so many people say, "Well, you're I'm not, you know, in the I'm world. Not, I'm not of the world. You're not oh, okay. of the world. That that means that you are not. Uh, you know, your heart is not given over to this world. You consider Jesus your Lord and Savior, but you live in this world, uh, just like Jesus. He took, he made miracles with the the bread and the loaves and fish, uh, the food. You know, he used earthly things. Did he not? He studied no, from the, at the temple, from the yep. from the scriptures. Yeah, it, it's it's just common sense. I mean, God has put us here for a reason. We're living here for a reason. We are appointed for this time for a reason. Don't blow it. Yeah, you can't eat gold. You can't eat silver. We all understand that. Well, you can try. Well, it's hurt your teeth. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, you can use it as a tool, a gift from God. We'll be right back. This is the Global Star Radio Network. City, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood.
welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Monday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. If you joined us late, in hour number one, we were joined by John Moore. Go to his website, The John Moore Show, to listen to his shows. Also, TheLibertyMan.com is his website, TheLibertyMan.com, TheJohnMooreShow.com. Uh, he is on in the mornings. Um, great guy, great investigative journalist. And uh, you're going to want to hear what he has to say. We've been talking about news and current events in the last hour and are going to continue to talk about the latest news and current events. But first, we want to tell you about one of our partners in this radio endeavor. That is Minuteman Rocket Stove. Folks, go to MinutemanStove.com. Minuteman Rocket Stove is one of the most convenient and efficient way to cook on the go. And when I say on the go, I mean in emergency situations, from natural disasters to uh, camping situations, or even being stuck in your car in a traffic jam for five hours due to some crazy accident. Um, you don't need a natural disaster. You don't need uh, you know, warm the up the, the grill. World. Yeah, I mean this thing is awesome. It's fueled by by sticks and twigs and tinder. It is a a, a can that has one eighth inch reinforced steel at the bottom of it and an old ammo can, but they have re-engineered it. They have welded in a burner as well as it comes with uh, fire starters. It is so fast to cook and to clean. Um, you can clean it up in minutes by, by pouring out the ashes and, and just wiping it out. And it is very portable and compact. It is called Minuteman Rocket Stove, folks. Go to MinutemanStove.com. You will not be disappointed. This is a stove... Uh, that you will not find anywhere else. Um, Mr. Miller, the owner, uh, is a great guy. He wants to hear from you guys. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, contact Min- Minuteman Stove. We had a nice conversation with him today. Yeah, and he yeah, was very excited about the product, listenership yeah. and the, the uh, feedback he's received so far. Go, go to Hagman at Hagman.com and click on the link to Minute, uh, the Minuteman Stove. Um, it's uh, Minuteman Provision Company. Click on that link and read all about Minuteman Stove. Made that's, in America. That's right. But speaking about that, American Survival Wholesale is is got something really great. Orders over sixty bucks, folks. They've helped. They're helping us out with our shipping. I mean, our, you know what? Having a store is just like a nightmare. <laughs> let me tell you, okay, a nightmare. You see this drinking vessel right here that weighs about twenty pounds. No, I mean this. Uh, this twenty ounce Hagman and Hagman. This is. Let me tell you something. The, the, the shameless plug for our merchandise. This is one of the best purple stick delivery systems in the in the world or caffeine delivery systems right here this is a hag the official made in the usa hagman and happy coffee hagman and hagman coffee mug yeah all right again you'll have to excuse me i'm, I'm talking with stitches in my mouth but or my jaw actually okay but anyway this um see any orders over 60 bucks free american com. Thank you, Chance. Yeah. And get them while supplies last. There's not a lot. No, I know. Uh, I know uh, at least a third of the orders went out yeah. last Friday, yeah. uh, by last Friday. And and so that's AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. These are great. I'm going to tell you, they're great products, man. And, and uh, if you want to hit your husband over the head with it or your, you know, uh, you'll kill him, basically. Because, man, <laughs> it's it's but they say, tried uh, and true. Last week, I, I kind of 
toss it into the sink, like, you know, just a few inches. Smashed another coffee mug I had in the sink. Oh, yeah, man. This is the daddy. This is the daddy of the mugs. AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com orders over 60 bucks. Ask for the mug. You, you'll thank us later. All right. So, oh, HealthMasters.com, too. Don't forget. Doug5, 5% off on all orders. Doug5 at HealthMasters.com. Stock up, man. Because things are coming. Things are bad. Things are coming. Al-Qaeda or the Muslims in this country. Hmm. Inspire Magazine. Y'all, I'm sure you've all heard of this. We used to take and uh, publish Inspire Magazine on our website. We don't do that anymore. There's a couple of reasons for it, but it's interesting because um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say, well, propaganda, sure, but the origin of the other propaganda is interesting. i got to tell you, it's interesting where it comes from. But right now, through Inspire Magazine is reporting, hey, Muslims in this country, in America specifically, attack whites only. Uh, you can't make this up. All right. Inspire Magazine. I think it's the an article from the Foreign Desk. Well, well, and Al-Qaeda. Yeah. See, they're advising potential lone wolf assassins to go after areas that contain mostly whites, where minorities are generally not generally found, okay, because to avoid those areas, because the federal government will will attempt to deflect responsibility away from the terror group and label attacks as hate crimes. Now think about the genius part of this. Hmm. Okay? They know the system better than, than Americans do. Better than the, 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 the idiots in Congress, the Nancy Pelosi's, and even the Harry Reid's and the, the whack jobs who are running this country. They know the program better than than these morons do that are running the country. Now, Allah knows best, of course, according to Inspire magazine. Allah knows best, but it's better to avoid targeting places where there's minorities, including blacks and homosexuals, because, well, knowingly, the federal government will be the one taking full responsibility. Knowing that, the federal government will be taking will be the one taking full responsibility. Therefore, we advise targeting areas where the Anglo-Saxon community is generally concentrated. Is this what, I mean, this is what we're seeing right here. There's there's an element of intelligence, Western intelligence, built into that. When when Al-Qaeda or when the Taliban or when the weaponization of Islam took place during World War II, of course, you've got to go back to World War II and then jump ahead to, to 78, 79 and the invasion of Afghanistan and how the Brzezinski Doctrine, my phrase for that, had weaponized, refined the weaponization of Islam. And here we're seeing an even further refinement by Western intelligence, learning what they've learned through Western intelligence, through the globalists, to shape our foreign and domestic policy, specifically in this case domestic policy, and ultimately they want to disarm us, they want to certainly shut us up, hate crimes, no, 
we can't talk about Islam, we can't talk about it. But, I mean, that's the... So we can't upset that apple cart. There you have it, directly from the... I was going to say something, but the horse's mouth. You get yeah. it. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> just insanity. Uh, and folks... Uh, oh, oh, wait. Lynch, she's still... She can you believe this? Lynch is still trying to figure out what uh-huh. Mateen's motive was. Omar Mateen. Well, I know that she's been saying that you got to fight the terrorists with love. No, but but this what she. She's said. having a hard time, really, really, uh, you know, deconstructing the the, the crime here. And, and is it her, or those those her, or is it those who are telling her? Or, it's or both. Her, it's both. It's both. You know, it, it, it's it's incredible. Uh, and, I want to yeah. hit Go this ahead. story from the Boston Globe. Um, you know how we're told that you know the Second Amendment is uh, not to defend against a radical, tyrannical government. You don't need AR-15s of for course. hunting. The Second Amendment is outdated, just like the Constitution, uh, uh, apparently from the se- uh, Seventh Circuit judge. Well, how about this? The FDA is stockpiling military-grade weapons, and they are not alone. Uh, the American gun culture has been the subject of an intense controversy for a number of years uh-huh. in the face uh-huh. of in ever-increasing mass shootings. Now, uh, amid this current debate over assault weapons, body armor, and other military-style weapons available to the domestic public in the United States of America... Um, in this, and I don't know if you saw this statistic, but under the Obama administration, uh-huh. every single day he's been president, an average of 52,000 guns a day are sold. He's, he's the best salesman for AR-15s and AK-47s ever. Yep. But it's not just the, the U.S. citizens who are buying them. This is a, the FDA and other government agencies are stockpiling not only rifles, automatic, you know, deadly killing machines as the democrats or uh the left will say liquid explosives gun scopes ammunition stockpiles oh, gas yeah. cannons armored mm-hmm. cars uh surveillance equipment between t- t- 2006 and 2014 the fda spent over 4.8 million dollars just to arm itself so the FDA, they, the they need FDA. this, right? Yeah. And yep. you guys remember the stories that uh, my dad reported on mm-hmm. about the 1.6 billion bullets that the Homeland Security had purchased. The, uh, I forget the name of the the operation, uh, but there was an operation that gave military-grade weapons to local uh, municipalities. And... Uh, they got MRAPs, they got, you know, all the stuff that was brought back from the wars was handed down to the local police forces, militarizing the uh, police forces. But the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the IRS, even the post office has been spending millions of dollars on weapons and ammunitions just in the last few years. Of course. But the, the, the federal government the same people who were in charge of these agencies get on camera, sitting in the House and Senate floors, and tell you you have no right to own guns. The Second Amendment, you know, we have a great book. Hang 
We have a lot of great books. <laughs> no, we do have a lot of great books. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're about to pull out, but, um, you know, there is, uh, uh, crazy, as you know, crazy things happening in this world. And, yeah, it's not that one. I want to hit this. This doesn't have anything to do with guns, so I'm going to wait until you're done. Um, I got to climb under the desk. Hang on. But when we talk about guns, well, there's another side to the gun debate. We have the arming of the Syrian rebels. And as the Hillary Clinton email scandal continues to, to roll on, as you more catch on the camera, did you? <laughs> okay. of the deleted emails are recovered and put in the public, it has shown that the CIA has been arming Syrian rebels on the black market, off the books, off of what they have already admitted to giving them. Weapons shipped into Jordan by the CIA and Saudi Arabia, attended for Syrian rebels or ISIS, have been systematically stolen by Jordanian intelligence operatives and sold uh, to black arm merchants who are affiliated with ISIS and other terrorist organizations such as Al-Qaeda and Al-Nusra, which we all know are the same. Generally speaking, yeah, uh, Yes, generally speaking. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> Eric, get off my back, man. No, I, I, I have it. I, but I, there I, have I, been I, classified I, programs uh, that exist in, in great detail uh, about how the Americans and American officials reveal that the CIA has trained thousands of Syrian rebels or al-Qaeda operatives in Syria uh, with advanced battle techniques, even supply, supplying them with substantial uh, number of weapons. Weapons that, you know, they say we can't even have over here. The assault rifles, grenade launchers, tanks, MRAPs. These have been given to radical Islam in Syria and by the, the Obama administration. Guns that create have created how many deaths in the last five, six years? Into the millions. But they tell us you know, he's handing guns by the by the millions of dollars, billions of dollars to ISIS with one hand. The other hand he's drafting declarations saying why the American public are not allowed to own guns. Then he's bringing the the ISIS and the Syrian people back over to America. Yeah. Well, we all know that this is an orchestrated crisis. John Coleman, he's a favorite researcher of mine, wrote Gun Control, an Attack on the Whole Constitution. I think you can find this online, but you can also purchase it through, uh, through uh, online. Gun Control, an Attack on the Whole Constitution. I don't like to read on air, but very prolific author with respect to gun control. Let me just cite here what he says um, r- right out of the gate in this book. He writes this, the Constitution says unconstitutional laws need not be obeyed. Isn't that what Greg Jackson talks about too? Mm-hmm. Unconstitutional, uh, yeah, unconstitutional laws need not be obeyed. Murdering unborn children is not a protected law or a protected right. Therefore, it need not be obeyed. 
Anyway, gun control. The purpose of this work, meaning this book here, is to address and respond to the tedious ad nauseum attacks on the Second Amendment by a score of socialist writers to newspapers and magazines who regularly uh, to dispute that the Second Amendment does not mean what it says. Eh, didn't mean what it says. There are also a smaller number of Hollywood personalities who have been co-opted by the Second Amendment haters, and there are many. They assign an obtuse meaning more often than not, buttressed by what they call landmark case, the landmark case of U.S. v. Miller. And folks, you can you can research that case. U.S. v. Miller. That's from 1939. Now there are, there are subsequent cases, but that's kind of the key case that is cited in many of the intellectual circles about gun control. But the bottom line is this, and he writes this, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read it anymore. He, he writes that we the people dare not permit by default or lack of information those whose goal it is to, the, or those whose goal is the destruction of the whole Constitution to succeed. And this is really, that, that that's a key statement. Right? That's the key statement here. What the democratic, and in parentheses here, Socialist Party has been doing since 1934 through so-called gun control laws, laws in quotation marks, according to John Coleman, was attempting to outflank the Constitution. And how right he is, they try to do it by interpolating their own convoluted anti-Second Amendment measures and by inserting the fervored imaginings of judges between the lines of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in gross violation of the Ninth Amendment. He lists a couple of examples, and then I'm going to be quiet here. The Brady Bill and Lautenberg, Senator Lautenberg's new laws, which are not laws but mere nullities incumbent on no one to obey. In one paragraph, really, John Coleman, gun control, an attack on the whole Constitution. In one paragraph, there it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the ultimate objective. Well, the ultimate objective is to destroy our Constitution and subjugate us to, to a globalist uh, regime set back by the, the recent uh, vote of, uh, that, that takes on the uh, globalists. However, through Obama, his cabal of criminal and the criminals as well as Clinton and others associated with them they're subverting the legislative process they're subverting the constitution and operating by fiat at least Obama is and Clinton was you want to talk about individual rights being taken away listen to what's happening in California California to become the first state to mandate adult vaccines, criminal penalties for those who refuse. The bill is SB 792, which would eliminate an adult's right to exempt themselves from one, some, or all vaccines, a risk-laden medical procedure. The bill would make California the first state to require uh, vaccines for adults of course. with the penalty of crime. Commencing September 1st, 2016, a person shall not be employed, a person shall not be employed at a family care home if she or he has not been immunized against influenza. 
measles, and others. An employee shall receive an influenza vaccine between August and December 1st of each year. The bill would be eliminating all medical autonomy, crushing religious freedom, undermining personal freedoms, and burdening quality providers with non-optional medical intervention in the form of man, uh, mandated vaccines that are not even 100% effective. And it goes on from there. Um, if you are a parent or a grandparent who wishes to volunteer your time, your skills to the children in the classrooms or other uh, programs, you will have to be immunized. There are... Uh, very specific guidelines here, but it applies to all of the medical community, and it applies to anybody who works with kids. Again, SB 792. They're trying to mandate California to be the first state to require mandatory vaccinations for adults with criminal penalties. Yeah. Well... Again, we have to we have to um, put up a united front in order to fight this. The only way to fight this is to unify and say no. We're not going to we're not going to allow this. You can't you can't come into my home, or you can't you cannot make it uh, make enrollment contingent uh, school enrollment contingent upon vaccinations. Now, and I've heard the argument. Well, boy, that's pretty selfish. You know, you're not going to vaccinate your child, so. You put mine at risk. Well, wait a minute. If you're such a pro-vaccine person, if you if your child has a vaccine, then what are you worried about? Mm-hmm. Okay, exactly. It, 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 it's a convoluted and, and fallacious argument. Yep. And yep. continuing to talk about the removal of civil liberties, city reviewing policy after pastor told he cannot advertise Jesus on a Colorado Springs bus stop. The city of Colorado Springs said Monday said it's reviewing its advertising policies of Mountain Metro Transit after a local pastor told his advertisement on the Colorado Springs bunch, uh, bus benches would be barred if he uses the name Jesus. Metro Mountain Train recognizes that it acted hastily in dealing with the pastor and his advertisements, the city said. The city attorney is working to ensure the advertisements comply with the law and no action regarding the advertisements take place until the attorney finishes. Now, what they go on to say here... Uh, they say this, the a, a Lawson Purdue, a pastor at the Christian Center in West Colorado Springs for 15 years, said he was told if the name Jesus was allowed, hate messages have to be allowed too. The city issued a statement on Monday, and it outlines exactly what Purdue says. Mm. But Purdue said his church has been advertising on transit benches in the city for the past three years, using various Jesus-related campaigns. Two years ago, uh, benches said, Celebrate Jesus. Last year they said, Experience Jesus. Now they say, Jesus is Lord. But now, Metro uh, Transit told uh, the pastor that his contract expires on July 10th and his advertisements will no longer be allowed to include the name of Jesus because one person complained about the advertisement. Purdue said his church, church ads on 20 benches with Jesus as Lord campaign on them. He says he plans to renew his contract with Jesus in future advertisements as well. The city is con- uh, 
So it, it's a war meeting. Steve Quayle to uh, determine their own. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's a war against true Christianity. That, that includes the name of of of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Lord. Right. You can't do that. You you can have uh, you can worship God, but that God <laughs> are we worshiping? What God are we worshiping? For example, are we worshiping the God of the Holy Christian Bible? Or are we worshiping the God of of the, the uh, of the of the Quran, two separate gods, contrary I mean, to popular like belief. What you read earlier about how Al Qaeda was is saying, you know, attack whites to avoid hate crimes. Right. It could be this said the same for Christians. When do we see the Department of Justice, uh, you know, prosecute some crime against a Christian as a hate crime? You don't. Right. You only hear it with. The homosexual community, the Muslim community, <clears throat> and the transgender community—they're rising. The, the, the crimes against Christians are rising. Soon, you're in the United States. You're, you're going you're, you're to see attacks on churches. You're already seeing vandalism against churches and synagogues. Synagogues, especially, is on the increase. <clears throat> right, but you're going to see where um, the the people who attend church. And I was talking to someone this past weekend, and I'm not going to name the church. Or the town, but it wasn't in our town. They have a, a security force at their church. Now, no one's standing out with AR-15s, but I can guarantee you, in this congregation, there are four people who are armed and prepared to take out anyone coming in with a gun. Smart congregation. Okay. Hey, by the way, what's up with Steve Deese? Greg Jackson. Greg Jackson. What's up here with your co-author, Steve Deese? I'm going to call him on the carpet here. He's acting kind of like a moron, if you ask me. Um, he's, he identifies, Steve Deese identifies himself as a conservative Christian radio talk radio show host, calling for Trump to show um, him his, quote, alpha male. Wait. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> Leave it, huh? Steve Deese wants to take on Donald Trump. Um, the Christian conservative, at least that's what he calls himself, folks, really made a spectacle of himself. He called Trump names and berated and lied uh, uh, about uh, Trump. Uh, Deese had uh, been trying to bait Trump. And, I, and I've seen some of the email threads. It's not fun. Okay. I don't know what's going on here. My my question to Steve Deese and to others, given the current environment, political environment, so are we to take it that you want to see Hillary Rodham, Hillary Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton in office? Is that what we are to, to, to expect? And from a from a talk show Christian standpoint, I'm just curious. I mean, Steve Deese. See, he he'll appear on CNN and MS, MSNBC because he'd make a good segment. He'd make a good segment, yeah. But but I'm serious. At what point? I mean, 
you've got it's to me and, and folks I look I don't know I look I don't know I know Rick Wiles and and, and others talked to or had some interaction with Donald Trump hey, look whatever you make of the man for president it's up to you but given the environment given the, the players given the options right now is, is this what we're going to do? Is this how we're going to handle this particular situation? Do everything we can to, to help the opposition? When I say opposition, I do mean opposition. It just, it, it, it just, it, it blows my mind. So I just wanted to say that, uh, because I happened to see that the other, early this morning it was. This is an interesting story. It's said to be the biggest Obsession. It could be the biggest obsession for conspiracy theories, theorists, when it comes to the Clintons, than Vince Foster's 1993 suicide. There's the death by barbell yep. of disgraced UN official John Ash. Ash, who was facing trial for tax fraud, died Wednesday afternoon in his house in Westchester County. The UN said he'd had a heart attack, but... The local Dobbs Ferry Police Thursday said that his throat had been crushed, presumably by a barbell, as he was lifting weights. Yeah, we're looking now, into this, folks, by the way. Interesting. The timing is very interesting. He was doing court on Monday with his Chinese businessman co-defendant, N.G. Lap Seng, who was charged with smuggling $4.5 million into the U.S. since 2013 and lying that it was uh, to buy art and casino chips. N.G., was identified in a 1998 Senate report as the source of hundreds of thousands of dollars illegally funneled through the Arcan- through Arkansas restaurant owner. You know, I, Charlie wait a second. Tree. I, I've always wondered Charlie Tree. Tree. But I, I've always wondered how you pronounce NG. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, this, did you just make like a, a, a throttly sound? I, uh, sorry. Well, this money was funneled through <laughs> Arkansas restaurant owner uh, Charlie Tree to the Democratic National Committee during the Clinton administration. NG and Tree visited the White House several times for Democratic fundraising events, photographed with then-President Bill Clinton and First Lady Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. One Charlie source Tree. told me oh, during the time. trial, the prosecutors would have linked Ash to the Clinton bagman, NG. It would have been very embarrassing. His death was conveniently timed. See, okay, and, and here, Joe, this is good, because and we are looking at this particular Arkansas <laughs> okay, or or this this death of this man, and and here's why. Um, you you see with with the Foster case, you see with Ron Brown. Now think back to Foster and Ron Brown. Foster, according to the official story, committed suicide in Fort Marcy Park. No, he didn't. I it's my I mean this is my view uh, as an investigator and knowing and talking with with people who know the story on this. Uh, as as well as they can, he he was he did not commit suicide. It was a homicide, and his body was staged at Fort Marcy Park. Yeah. Okay, and that's number one. Number two, Ron Brown. There's a there's a lot of things going on. There are a lot of things that about Ron Brown. Ron Brown. He didn't die in the plane crash, nor did another individual there. Um, Brown did suffer from lead poisoning. But having said all of that. We had Jack Cashel on here in this uh, in this studio in this very seat last Tuesday. He talked about TWA Flight 800, 
the Clintons, and this has never been more relevant. I've got, I've got, I've got an article coming out uh, first thing in the morning about uh, the flight and about the continuing course of criminal conduct of the Clinton criminal cabal. This fits right in with the, with the Clinton criminal cabal. This fits right in with the, the suicides, of the uh, or not the suicides, but the uh, homicides. And if you don't play, if you, if you don't agree to play, then you're going to pay, and you're going to pay with your life. And we need to get the word out and educate the public. See, people died in Benghazi, directly related to Hillary Clinton. Um, mm-hmm. Think back to think back to well, Foster. Think back to Brown. Yeah, Clinton was check the out the Clinton wife. death list. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, yes. And the other thing, there's something called. Uh, and, and Jack Ashell talks about this, a Clinton-era media. You go back into the 90s, and you look at the media, the captured corporate media that did the bidding for Hillary and Bill, or Bill and Hillary, or Billary. It doesn't matter. They were one, they were one and the same. The, the, real, the real lust for power came from Hillary, but having said that, the captured corporate media did the bidding for the Clintons. And, uh, for example, Jack Cashel said they owned, the New York Times owned the TWA 800 uh, uh, takedown. They were correct because the T, uh, New York Times agreed to publish the narrative or the account. Same with, with these, maybe a different outlet, but the same concept, the yeah. same playbook from this. Do you see what happened? The House Democrats mistakenly released transcript Confirming big payout to Clinton friend Sidney Blumenthal. The Democrats on the House Benghazi Committee released their final conclusions from the inquiry into the Americans in that Libyan city in 2012. The report says once again the investigation is politically motivated and a sham aimed at damaging the credibility of presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. Well, which the Democrats published as a preemptive strike (laughs) before the Republican majority releases their findings to charge inept and deception by the former Secretary of State also revealed apparently unintentionally details about an eye-popping amount of money to a close Clinton friend and advisor made in a contract with a pro-Clinton nonprofit. Now this is important. Democrats released but redacted the transcript of Clinton confidant Sidney Blumenthal answering the committee's questions to make the point that Republicans do not want the public to know what went on during his interrogation, during which GOP members arguably used their subpoena power to conduct political opposition research unrelated to Benghazi. But the redacted marks are easily erased by anybody able to use a computer's cut-and-paste function. Once the marks are lifted, the transcript portion reveals some unflattering things for any partisans on the committee. Republican or Democrat. It shows that Republican did indeed leverage their subpoena of Blumenthal for political gain, digging into financial contracts with David Brock, forcing him to reveal the details of a lucrative financing agreement that congressional sources would ultimately leak to Fox News. But this is what it goes on to say. The exchange uh, from the Democrats exposes once again the absurd amount of money in the orbit of the Clintons that they seem to rake in, as well as the, what they pay. And for Blumenthal, it was $200,000 a year. 
yeah. or working part time, yeah. offering up advice and testifying yeah. on her behalf. The, the follow the money, follow the money. That's what, the, the the investigations that we do. When we follow the money, we understand. I mean, as investigators, um, sex is a good motivator. Money, money is a king motivator. Money, absolutely. But lust slash sex is really a, a good motivating factor for certain crimes. As well as a blackmail. Blackmail, factor. yeah. It's all related, but the money end of it as well. You know, Omar Mateen in one of his pilgrimages to Mecca was taken there by the current director, the current Muslim cha- chaplain of uh, the New York City Police Department and New York University. Oh, nice. Yeah, folks, okay, the incestuous part of this, and, and don't think for a minute this began under under Obama, this began under George W. Bush, the Ashcroft Bush, uh, yeah. that whole murkiness. When your best friend and, and other half of the family is Saudi Arabia, what do you expect? Well, exactly. Um, in looking at Mateen's background, you find a connection to the current uh, NYU NYPD Muslim chaplain, which who led the Mateen his uh, the uh, his pilgrimage to Mecca, an Islamic center in New York, determined uh, that in 2012 Mateen traveled to Saudi Arabia during a trip which was organized by the Islamic Center at New York University. Ten, about ten, or I'm sorry, about eighty people went to that particular pilgrimage, and um, we're, we're seeing some overlap here in terms of uh, the Muslim population, the Muslim mm-hmm. leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, did you see the uh, what the Department of Justice mandating implicit yep. bias training for agents and lawyers? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, when are we going to stop this? When are we going to stop this? When are we going to say no we're not going to uh you can't expunge islam uh muslim terrorism islamic terrorism from our our playbooks here from our uh, our uh, training manuals you can't do that they're saying more than 33,000 federal agents and prosecutors will receive treatment <clears throat> or, i'm sorry training aimed at preventing unconscious bias from influencing their law enforcement decisions the training will bring Justice Department employees in line with many local police departments across the country that have implemented bias prevention programs right. following a spate of shootings of unarmed black men by white police officers, they say. It's, 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 um, what does Islam have to do with it? The Minority Report Plus, I mean, essentially. It goes on to say that the department had been criticized for not developing its own policies to combat bias after recommending local police do so at the direction of a task force created by President Obama after riots in Ferguson of 2014. In a memo to the Justice Department employees, it said that the implicit biases, suitable unconscious stereotypes or characterizations nearly everyone makes about certain groups of people. But implicit bias also presents a unique challenge to effective law enforcement because it can alter where investigators and prosecutors look for evidence and how they analyze it without their awareness or ability to compensate, Yates said in a memo. The training will be mandatory for all Justice Department agents and prosecutors and will be rolled out over the next year, Yates said. Hmm. And it continues from there. It says police departments from Baltimore, New York City, to Seattle, to New Orleans will all also be mandated to take this training. You know, you know this is bad. Um, 
Western women being raped by Muslims. Let me tell you something. The quickest way to dispatch, or the the quickest way to see Allah, in at least in, in my view, you, you touch any of my family, my daughters. Okay, you're you're gonna, in my view, or, or just for me saying this, it's the quickest way to, quickest trip to to to, to, to Allah. But this is really interesting. Um. Europe, what's taking place in Europe? Europeans right now, and, and a lot of Europeans believe that Western women, their immodesty, their, their general appearance, they're asking for rape. Where, where in the world are the, are the feminists on this? There was a 20 year old Austrian woman waiting at a bus stop in Vienna. I don't know whether you heard this story or not. She was attacked, beaten, and robbed by four Muslim men from Afghanistan, including one who, and I quote, started, uh, I'll read this, yeah, started by putting his hands through my hair and made it clear that in his cultural background there were hardly any blonde women. You know, the police, in other words, she's just blonde and, and this Muslim terrorist criminal fondling her hair. Afghanistan. And this happened in Vienna. Cops responded. You know what the cops told her? Cover her head. No. Dye her hair. Seriously. She, uh, she responded, well, you know, first I was scared, but now I'm more angry than anything else. After the attack, they told me that women shouldn't be alone in the streets after eight o'clock. Wait a second. The, this woman was beaten, robbed, and the police told she her to dye her hair? She was attacked. She was beaten and robbed by four did, Muslim men from Afghanistan. Did the police, she, was she allowed to file charges? Um, ba, 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 ba. let me look here. I'm looking at the particulars. Or of they give her no uh, the, pointers. You know, the, their uh, charges were filed. The well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, there were charges that were filed on this on this particular case. Um, so this is the culture we live in. Well, okay, because yeah. Muslims brought over here from specific countries in the Middle East that force women to only show their eyes. Because here in the Western world, women that's have culture, freedoms. Though. That's culture. It is culture. That's, it's that, not, that's not, not religion. Eastern. That's not religion. No, I didn't that's say culture. that. I said countries yeah, in the yeah, Middle East. Yeah. I, I mean, but, but people... I people mean, Israeli women where, where the... I mean, Buddhist uh, is nothing to do with religion. It is everything to do with culture. Just like in the West, you know, we have a culture. It might not be moral, it might not be right all the time. Yes, women might run around in, in clothes that are much re- way too revealing. But that's justification for a man not to be able to control his sexual urges. Well, and, exactly. and that, that, that means that it's the woman's fault because she dresses provocatively, that she was sexually assaulted because the way she dresses. Well, see. It's not the fault of the assailant who can't control his own, you know, animal behavior. But but I, I guess the, the the bigger issue here is the look, non-assimilation, right? And, and was this 
The humanitarian I mean, aspect of this. It, it's not even humanitarian. You can't even take that into consideration. If I was a judge, that would have no bearing on but, Well, okay, but how do we get here? Was this a result of this Arab Spring that wasn't planned, that was spontaneous? It was a, you know, and of course, American bombing, America bombing Syria and bombing Libya and bombing the Middle East yeah. and causing all this, uh, causing all these people. We understand that, but when you when you bring we relocate these people that have no absolutely no intent on assimilating no intent and and they in fact the flag on the way right here. their religion prohibits them from assimilating you know you've got to look at this from a little bigger you you've got to look at the landscape a little bit differently and say wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute hey this was no serendipitous series of events this was planned and it was planned for the takedown of the United States from within because we know they know militarily they cannot destroy the United States militarily, uh, you know, by invasion, uh, military invasion that is, at least not, not without, no, not not as adeptly as they're doing so with this Muslim invasion. So there you have it. Tomorrow, th- let's go over this week. Uh, tomorrow we've got. Gary Stearman, Gary Stearman and Bob Ulrich of prophecywatchers.com. Right. They're going to come on, and um, at some point, they're going to talk about and promote their Prophecy Watchers conference that is going on that Sandeo will be speaking at in Colorado but Springs. We, we, got more, we got more than that to talk to them about, that's for sure, because yeah, but there's gonna be, so many yeah, things going on. They're going to stay on for possibly the whole show, at least two hours minimum. Yeah, because we, we, we are going to talk about prophetic events. right? Not only prophetic events, but insight they've gleaned from doing interviews on their own TV show right. with guests. Um, and we're going to have a nice roundtable discussion. And, there you go. And that's what I was looking for, the roundtable aspect of things. They're also promoting the conference. The live stream uh, is available for the Prophecy Watchers Conference. Oh, so but, but they're going to come on to talk about that. That's secondary. To, 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 but, but, right, right. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to be a fantastic show. Uh, Gary and Bob, it's been a while since they've been on. Our audience has grown tremendously since then. And many of you might not know who they are. Um, but when you talk about uh, organizing a Christian remnant, and organizing speakers to speak to that remnant, people like Paul McGuire, people like Stan Deo, people like Jonathan Kahn, people like Bill Salas. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, uh, prophecywatchers.com. Now, uh, Thursday, Paul McGuire is going to come on. we got a lot to talk about Paul McGuire about. Yeah, check out his site, paulmcguire.us. He's got some articles on his site. Uh, he's probably put five up since he's been on our show about yeah. the uh, the bear exit about the economic situation here in America, about the Orlando shooting, uh, and many other things that I've seen on his page and alerts from his website. Absolutely. We've been getting. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. China cuts yawn. Yuan. Biggest move since devaluation fixes in. China weakened the yuan's fixing almost 1% to five and a half year low against the yeah. dollar Monday, officials yep. said. The biggest downward move since August as the greenback surge after Britain's vote to leave the European Union. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know this, but the dollar is up like two and two point one eight percent, I think, right now. It's a temporary right, but and and why is that downturn of the Dow Jones? Right, and the international markets like this, like the yuan. Uh, The People's Bank of China set the value of the yuan, also known as the renminbi. (laughs) <laughs> at 6.6375. Uh, 
to the greenback, down 0.91% from Friday's fixing, according to data from the foreign exchange trade system. Yep. Now, uh, Monday's fix was the lowest level since December 23rd, 2010. China only allows the yuan to rise or fall 2% on either side of the daily fix, one of the ways it maintains control over the currency. The dollar surged Friday after Britain's historic vote to withdraw from the EU sent shutters throughout the world markets as investors fear it will hammer the global economy. The economist went on to say that there will be future volatility to come. That from Asian economist, Australian, and New Zealand economist from the banking group in Singapore, telling Bloomberg News. So, expect more volatility. Expect more economic chaos and uncertainty and a possible unrest. One thing that's been kept out of the news, Venezuela is turning into civil war. Oh, yeah. People have been killing each other. The police have stepped in. There have been mass riots. These food shortages have turned into what people have feared the worst. And it's not being reported anywhere on the, on the mainstream media. You'll see paragraphs about it here in comment sections there. Mm-hmm. But why do you think you haven't heard about the, the shortages in Venezuela? It's because they've turned into full-blown riots for survival mode. And this is what happens. You saw it in Argentina in 2000, 2001. No, not to this extent. Oh, no, no. Not to this extent. It, it was bad, though. But this, this is coming. Is a, this has is been coming a sustained shortage and government-controlled uh, allocation of food, minimal amounts of food to their citizens. People waiting in line 12 hours a day for over a year now for food. Food being rationed by the government. If you want to buy diapers, you have to show proof you have a baby. That's yours with a birth certificate. You can only buy so much rice, so much if you have the money to afford it. But now the riots have started. Now the killing has started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Where's the media? They don't want you to see it because they don't want you to see the window into your own future. Thanks to hyperinflation and socialist policy. Just to close tonight's program, I, I, I want to reaffirm what Joe said. Look, the situation in Idaho, Idaho with the, uh, the, the attack, the assault, the rape on the five-year-old girl, the boys, 14, 10, and 7, Muslim boys, yeah, Obama. Specifically okay. targeting anybody who makes mention of well, Muslim right, aspect. Well, right, right. Just, just to really drive this point home, Idaho, the U.S. Attorney for Idaho, Wendy J. Olson, and Obama plant, Appointed by Obama back in 2010. Yeah, take a look at her. Okay, this is not about appearance. This, well, I guess in this case, I, I mean that guy. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. I, I, seriously, man. I, but but are you telling me uh, Olson? Here's what Olson, and I just want to drive this home. Uh, Olson said that any. Idahoans, <laughs> I know people from Idaho, who who is spread false or inflammatory information about this, about the alleged Muslim perpetrators may be subject to prosecution, criminal prosecution. That that, the Olson statement, that it's because their mind is not Muslim. Well, th- that is closer to, well, that that's a not so veiled uh, threat. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
that's closer to a legal speech by a government official than the speech that she threatens. It's like Loretta Lynch okay. saying we're going after climate change deniers with prosecution. All right, yeah, it's the same again, the same playbook, different plays, but but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I can guarantee you tomorrow, Ms. Olson is going to hear from a Pennsylvanian. For those just listening, I'm pointing to myself. Because it ain't right. Maybe we can get her on the show. Yeah, I don't. I, I, seriously, our, th- th- that would plummet our <laughs> IQ at least 30, 40 points. No, I know. I want to thank uh, John Moore for spending his time on the show tonight with us, folks. Again, if you join us late, thejohnmoreshow.com, thelibertyman.com. No. Check out his website. Check out his podcast. Check out his show. Live, what would you say, 7 to 9? Central it's, uh, no, 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 no. I had it up here. I'm not sure. It's, go to the John Moore go to, go to, go to Liberty. Or LibertyMan.com. Yeah. Yeah. And then, again, tomorrow, the uh, Prophecy Watchers, Gary Stearman and Bob Ulrich, will be with us for at least two hours, if not the whole show. And they're going to be talking about a lot of prophetic implications, prophetic yeah. things, as yeah. well as the, the conference, but definitely about the prophetic implications that they've come to find. And Thursday... Paul McGuire will be with us. And more surprises. Yeah, we do have more surprises. Thanks, guys. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And and thanks for all your kind words, kind emails, kind letters. And uh, thanks for supporting us. Have a good night, everyone. Until tomorrow. This is the Global Star Radio Network.